This is Tancred, and you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio? How exactly does that work? Someone get Fernholz in here. I need him to explain this to me. I need to know the law behind this. This is Fernholz. You spoony bard. And you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Please look forward to it. Hello, Internet. Welcome to Aetherite Radio. Our chat isn't okay. I think our chat's our chat's being weird. Every so 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 last week I wasn't here. I had some work stuff come up. Uh, so Zen uh, took over uh, the the streaming duties. Uh, this week she needed to take a break for some work stuff. So I'm back, and uh, yeah, now it's now it's working. It's. I give Here up. we go. I give up. I've had <laughs> to like reload images, and we'll see. The, the chat is tricky, right? Because usually I have the chat on the other like scenes, so that when mm-hmm. we go live, the chat is there. But that didn't work this time, so I, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Welcome to Aether Radio. This is Lorecast, part uh, I don't know, like five thousand and eight. Of yeah, uh, and right. Walker. You've been here for eighty-four years. I hope you're all Talking looking forward to, to yeah. 7.0 launching next week. We're just finishing <laughs> up our and Walker dis- discussion. Um, so yeah, we're gonna. I think I think we might be able to do it. I don't want to jinx this, don't but jinx I, it. don't I, sh- don't tell I, the story that we're gonna finish. I think it's gonna change. We'll spend the it's whole episode talking about your feelings on Xenos and yeah. <laughs> oh no, I mean, I mean will, honestly, will that be probably. a topic? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. I don't. I don't know where it's gonna go. We'll. We'll see. We'll see. Um. God, this people watching this on VOD is gonna be great. People with the talking about toilet phones, dirty ice machines. Yeah, pre <laughs> pre show discussion was fun. We talked about a lot of stuff. So we're going to just get right into it. Um, So we left off. Well, you all left off because I wasn't here uh, at the dead ends, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was this this going right into the into the dead ends? Okay. Right. Right after uh, talking to Rook's boyfriends. um, (laughs) With the, the laundry list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, let it be known list. here on this lore cast that canonically these mm-hmm. two yes. are my boyfriends. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's very important. It's very important to, to the lore. Boost, you know? <laughs> I'll yeah. share. But uh, yes, canonically, I believe the lore does establish that they are my boyfriends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's but interesting yeah, it's that, that, you know, after all your player choices, the, the specific dialogue that you got, I didn't, I didn't get any of that. They're not my yeah. boyfriends. They didn't, you know, offer to take me out anywhere. Yeah, no, they did all of that for me. I don't know if it was just like a special version of the game that I was playing where my own mind filled in the blanks. Uh, That's very possible. But I'm pretty sure that they were lines of dialogue that were in Mm -hmm. there and that we had a whole like date episode uh, in the middle between a lot of the other stuff that we've discussed. Yeah, because Emmett Selk looked at me. He's like, I don't want anything to do with you ever again. But like it sounded like like over there, like you had to be like, hey, like after this is done, you like want to go to like Chuck E. Cheese or something. And I did say yes, correct. I mean, I so, would have. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to do that. So, yeah, they did decide in my playthrough of this game um, not to return to the ether mm-hmm. and instead stay with me forever and be my boyfriends, um, which is really, I think, optimal ending, to be honest. So sorry if anybody else didn't get that version. I don't really understand why they wouldn't have, to be honest. I can, I can really see Emmett 
and uh, Vina competing over like the basketball game to get the most Chuck E. Cheese tickets. I just that's what I've been thinking about since you said that. Mm. Just seeing the ancient quartet, including Asim, just in a Chuck E. Cheese. And, I well, want to see well, that. But there's Thank a you there's a second getting... there's a second part to this. <laughs> There's Hithlodeus on the machine next to them, yeah. who, ju- who has just climbed up into it, and he's just picking up the ball and putting <laughs> it. <in. laughs> yes, absolutely. We've we've all done this, you know, for including my girlfriend Vinat, who is also in mm-hmm. this equation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the quartet is going strong in my version of the game. I don't know about everybody else. <laughs> so yeah, what happened in the story? I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what happened. Something I'm about <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese and and tickets and. Um, does Argos Argos have their own machine, or are they helping? Ah, uh, good question. Are they like air butting it, or oh, maybe maybe so. maybe Hithodeus is on Argos, and that's how he got up and is just. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I really love the idea of turning air butt into a verb, and that being what Argos <laughs> is doing. Yeah, no, they're air butting it. Absolutely. Uh, well, no, Argos is not Argos for me. It's just air. Ar- Argos is the more. is the animatronic <laughs> that sings "Happy Birthday" to you up on the oh, stage. God. Terrifying. Yeah. not realized that she sundered the world and the only way that she could bring it back together was by releasing the beloved children's film, Airbud, And mm-hmm. that that would unite <laughs> all of us in a common cause. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We've gone insane from too much lore cast. <laughs> Let's talk about the dead ends. What you think? Right. <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, so this, this was an interesting dungeon. Um, it was definitely... One of those where they're like, okay, we need some kind of grand final dungeon thing, right? We had Amarat and Shadowbringers. How do we try and at least get on the same kind of like level, like scale wise for that? Um, I thought it was definitely interesting. I think some parts of it uh, were more interesting than others for me. Mm. Um, but it was it was cool, kind of seeing. You know, we we saw or rather heard of these other stars that the Meteons found, right? And they're like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, this one had plague. This one, they blew each other up. And, you know, and we actually get to see some of these firsthand. And my, my first thought was, you know, as you're going through it, you have the, like, the plague area, which is, mm-hmm. um, they're, like, weird, I don't know, old Otter. school scuba suit. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I feel like I've seen somebody like took a the mask off and it was like a cat or something. It's kind of like a weird otter slash uh almost um oh man, why am I spacing Does on the name of the, the Namazu? Namazu, yeah, I was gonna say like a, like, share the Namazu model. Like a like a, a Meowmazu yeah, or face something. Is different, yeah. Yeah. They're um, just devastatingly cute, which is very sad. I love all the architecture in that area too. Kind of like aquatic, Mm -hmm. um, oceanic kind of look. And then these cute little boys, and then the plague, and that dialogue about them, you know, turning on each other. Like the Mm -hmm. plague wasn't even what they were trying to fight anymore. They were almost, you know, viewing those that had caught it as, you know, being the enemy and those Mm -hmm. that, you know, were safe, you know, as, as being elevated and in the right to persecute or, you know, harm rather than trying to help or cure. Yeah, I, this is an interesting little opening area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's wild. And then you you do that that first boss fight, and then it's like, right. oh, here's like another planet. And my yeah. my first thought was, I'm like, could you imagine being like on the assets team and be like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you need how many what now for the final dungeon? <laughs> Three entire planets. 
and cultures and, you know, and oh, okay yeah <laughs> i know the whole dev team were probably like oh, we made it once people are gonna ask to go back here we're gonna ask for that as furniture we're gonna ask for this or that you knew that they were knew that they were dooming themselves. They knew that they were dooming themselves. O- Oda's like, you need to be to make cultures for how many places that'll be yeah. exposed for like ten minutes each. Okay. Yeah, but <laughs> honestly, I mean, I think it's so fitting, right? Mm-hmm. I because we have this cosmic grand scale, uh, you know, kind of event that's happening to actually go through the universes in these different areas. Again, they're so illustrative. I mean, even the final boss in this first zone, I actually really love that boss even though it took me much longer than i care to admit to realize what in the world the air blowing direction (laughs) was affecting Mm. i kept being like what in why does this show me what direction the air is blowing and then i die in the next mechanic i was like i am so confused and lo and behold i did figure it out so don't Mm -hmm. worry everybody but i think even that fight does a wonderful job of illustrating the effect they want almost you know there's this Mm -hmm. like interplay between closeness and separation there's the disease stacks that you get um you get the one mechanic that's kind of like the loneliness mechanic so Mm -hmm. you have like the toxic puddles that drop and it like forces everybody apart and then suddenly you get struck with that loneliness debuff and you have to all like maneuver in this awkward way to get back together and i mean honestly i was kind of stunned by this being the opening of this dungeon given our world and like the pandemic and so much of the Mm -hmm. current events, there have been a lot of discussion surrounding what each of these zones sort of correlate to as far as like, oh, are they meant to be almost, this would be the vision of the future for this Mm -hmm. particular group or race or planet, right? Um, And this first one to me, while I think there are some ties that, you know, maybe can be drawn across the board, to me, it felt much more like a commentary on our own world. And the fact that like, while we battle this thing that is beyond us, this illness, this sickness Mm -hmm. that takes people we love from us or changes or inhibits our world in different ways that separates us from one another and strikes us down just as much with loneliness and distrust and strife as it does with the actual illness itself. Like, I I really, I, I don't know. I personally felt this whole dungeon really resonated. And this opening, I was like, oh my gosh, they really did make you fight COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of true. Yeah, I mean, it's, it just hits hard at the end, too, because I think Meteon, what she says is, uh, and at the end, they wish they'd never been born at all. You know, like the one that was last to live, because that's what we fought. We fought the last surviving one, um, which is just, why would you do this to us? And then snap us to another place to do it just again. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. I didn't actually know about that. Uh, I didn't notice that, like, disease debuff yeah. until I did that on Sage. Oh, yeah. And then the party wiped us like, what? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Why? Oops. Um, so, yeah, we, we do that that first area and then we get into the uh, the second zone, which was the uh, destroy themselves with weapons of mass destruction star. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's wild, too. It's just like yeah. this this uh, just machines all over there's like militarized troops all over but it's also like kind of futury mm-hmm. um the end of that section is i think the the, the part of the dungeon that really got me where mm. you see this this like this last like soldier that's left basically run up to this little console push a button and in the background you just see like this city like explode and he yeah. says i killed them i killed them all and that's it that's yep. the end of it and you're just like damn (laughs) 
Yeah, like that that section is just uh especially because they i think they're called freedom fighters and and like there's peace fire is one of the mechanics and it's 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 kind of illustrating a world in which by basically by author, authoritarian rule kind of trying to enforce peace and then there were freedom fighters and you know it was it's just this really bleak commentary about stopping war can you is it possible doesn't seem to be at least that's what they're showing and the um, idea of the, I mean, the enemy that we fight there, which I believe was a weapon that kind mm-hmm. of almost decided that if everyone was dead, then there would be no one to make conflict. Right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah, that is technically a way you could keep the peace, but isn't peace a state maintained between living entities? So then wouldn't that in and of itself kind of nullify the existence but, but of the, peace? But the, the robot will be left, and he, he considers himself living, so it's fine. Mm. It's that, I mean, that Ultron it's, mindset, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, I honestly love it because we see so many parallels, particularly with this one with Garlemald. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah. see parallels even with the dragons, right? That commentary with Astinian about, like, uh, you know, we have to fight to some degree. Like, you know, the world may not ever be free of conflict, but, you know, you fight for a good cause. You try to learn. You try to... You can't avoid conflict mm-hmm. in the world. It will happen. Um, but, like, you also see here that co- conflict in and of itself overshadowed everything and the value of life and, like, completely devastated this world. And I think some of the dialogue in this little bit is so great because you almost don't know, right? You're like, mm-hmm. okay, is there like an authoritarian regime? Yeah. Are the freedom fighters the good or bad guys? Right. Are the groups that are trying to do this? But it's just really warfare perpetrating more warfare, perpetrating more warfare until it leads to this solution where it's like, well, the only way we won't have war is if we don't have anyone. And yes, that haunting line is so mm-hmm. good with the I killed them all. Oh, it just like, Oh, it's so, it's so, I just stand there sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It, I just it, take and it it's, in. It's, it's weird, too, because on the approach, it's, I mean, the city's there, but you don't, you know, it's it's kind of clouded yeah. in the back, right? You don't really see it. But then, like, the stuff happens, you're just like, oh, <laughs> I oh. see. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's, that's probably the... It's, it seems weird to say my favorite part of the touch. <laughs> I love it when I they just, killed everybody. Um... But yeah, you know, I think it's just it's crazy. It's it's tough subject matter and it's really you know, we we see so many ends. I mean, you know, the name, the dead ends, it's plural. Mm-hmm. But to actually drag us through all of this is amazing, right? Like they didn't have to do that. They could have just done some stupid silly thing with Meteon or something like a recreation of the 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 ancients or showing like why it happened or making us go through Amarod again, I think that would be stupid. But, like, just showing us these ends to civilizations when they've told us you have to keep going and mm-hmm. then confronting us with, okay, but you see what happens here? Don't do this. Keep going. Just keep going. Not in this way. Um, it, it's just really interesting. I like to call this dungeon uh, the Great Filter, the dungeon, um, because of the concept of the Fermi Paradox and why have we not found any other people in the universe well maybe there's a great filter that civilizations can't go through and the dead ends are showing us so many options and it's just it it just hit me in a in a really i don't know it stays with me i love that dungeon i hate that we're synced when we do it but i love that dungeon (laughs) yeah and then we 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 go from this this Mm -hmm. crazy like war-torn area 
and all of a sudden it's like, look at these nice amber fields of the mm-hmm. uh, grass, and oh, it looks so pretty. And then we immediately see people like sacrificing themselves to like some other god, and it's just like, oh, this again. Okay, great. Mm. Um, which you know, it's it's interesting too because they've actually said um, that if the the final days hadn't quite happened the way that they did. Um, this last section in the dead ends. This is how they kind of envisioned what would have happened to the ancients is this kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's one of those. uh, I've actually, I've been holding back until we got to this zone because it took me until I think my second run to actually make meaning of this zone. Mm. Um, I was like ready. I was like all up in the moment for the end. Like we had just gone through Ultima Thule. There was like all sorts of this like meaningful, like MSQ stuff going on. And it was time to fight Medion. Emmett Selk was just there. And then all of a sudden I'm in this dungeon and it has nothing to do with anything. Mm. And (laughs) the thing that's like hitting me in the moment on the first run through was like, wow, the universe is so big and there's so much in it. And the Asians are small potatoes. They're not the biggest threat at all. They don't even have a good plan. They're nothing. And then like, I'm seeing all these worlds, but like, why, what is, why did we make all of this? And why did we get distracted from the cool MSQ thing I was about to do? And like, she already told us a bit about these civilizations. So what am I like, what am I learning here that I'm going to bring forward into the fight? And by the end of it, I was literally sitting in the dungeon, just looking into the camera, yelling at chat. I give up. Xenos, you can come back. Make it make sense. Xenos, please make it make sense. And <laughs> so it's your fault. So this to us. <laughs> like, I am so glad that was my first run through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's a great meme to me now. I, I really yeah. I feel like I feel like Ishikawa set me up and then won a bet. And it's just like so. But the second time through is kind of what I want to do first, because the second time through, I realized kind of what this dungeon means to me. And I, I'm glad we took the break to do it because there's a certain order to it. You have a society that's progressed far enough that you have that like urban situation where there's disease spreading, where it's difficult mm-hmm. to keep people clean. And then the next one, they conquer it and they build mm-hmm. a more complex civilization and more technology mm-hmm. and they end up going to war. And then they conquer. And then the next civilization, they conquered that. They got through the wars. They created one great civilization. They lived in harmony. They made a perfect society and they still died. So the point of the dungeon for me is it doesn't matter how far they progress it is hopeless. That's what we're seeing is this through Medion's mm-hmm. eyes, that it doesn't matter whether you die at the beginning of your civilization to disease or the end of your civilization in perfect harmony with everything. Everything is hopeless. Everything is doomed. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, I would have been so much ready or so much more ready for the fight if I had realized that the first time through. But I mean, I'll keep my Xenos meme. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. I think that's such a perfect way to say it. And I mean, for Medion as well, we get a sense that, I mean, again, it's so interesting. She chooses, in theory, these three to show us, right? Um, likely because of 
we can assume uh, what she knows about our world or what she thinks will make this point to us or what she thinks makes a throughput, like you said, of this narrative. And yet we also know that there are things that she has excluded. We know that there were worlds that, you know, maybe if they had been included in this dungeon, we would have walked in and there would have been a few people who were like, yeah, I'm kind of miserable. And then a mm -hmm. lot of people who were like, life's okay, I guess. And then Medion shows up and is like, everything is death. And like, <laughs> you know, I mean, we know that we don't have the complete picture from her in a sense, but I don't even know if it truly matters because this is how she received it, right? This mm -hmm. is what she feels. This is what gave birth to something like the Ensinger. This is possibly even the very narrow view set in which Hermes himself constantly excluded other information to only acknowledge this kind of despair, this kind of doom, this kind of progression, right? And it is, it is despairing. It is hopeless in many ways. This last area is also just devastatingly beautiful. It's unbelievable. I'm like, if you're not going to use the planet, I'd like to come back and settle it because this place I would like to take screenshots in. Uh, maybe that's not the most deep reading of it, but that's how I felt. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, again, it's this idea that I think too, another thing you can draw from it is that striving for a perfect, any one vision of a perfect world is dependent on so many different factors. And that perfection in and of itself, the idea of living in one specific way that rules over all, the idea of reaching or attaining some kind of perfection based off of some kind of ideal, it's not a real view of our world. It's not something that is, I mean, in many ways truthful and, and it does lead, I think, to our own destruction. Um, or, you know, to this, like we see in the last zone, this, this lack of initiative, this lack of care, this lack of um, context for life and the value of joy when held up against the despair of suffering. Um, so it's like, I think it's beautifully done and it is very depressing, but there is almost that message of hope in the context of everything that like, you know, if we stop denying those things and we realize that existence is a mix of so much that there is a greater, maybe not perfection to be found, not heaven, not paradise, but that there is reality and there's a beauty to that too. You know, I, we, we talked a little bit too about, uh, I think Rook, you mentioned how, you know, the way that Median, you know, interpreted these, these events and stuff. How much of what we see in this dungeon do you think is skewed or, or manipulated a little bit because I mean, obviously the stuff that we're seeing is the stuff that, that she chose to, uh, I don't know if preserve is the right word, but like show us right to kind mm -hmm. of save in this, this weird giant watery space boob dungeon thing, whatever. <laughs> it's just, it's a weird looking thing that it, it, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, like I don't, I'm curious if, you know, I mean, obviously right. Regardless, these civilizations met their ends, but, mm -hmm. Um, are we getting the whole story here or is this just like, this is what she saw. This is how she remembers it. And therefore this is what happened. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. I think both. Are you sure you yeah. don't want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It's just, it's, it is really intriguing that question. I I think it's both. I think yeah. Median is painting with a very broad brush. I think that you you know you try to hit all of a planet with the same brush. It's it's you know you're gonna be inaccurately painting certain people in that society. 
but I also think that if enough people are on a certain path, it's going to drag the rest down. I sure. think that's part of what, what Vana was mm-hmm. running into with her own people and the ancients. Um, and, and she does paint it with a very broad brush because like when you're at the end of each section, she says something along the lines that, you know, the first one is like the very last of them wish they'd never been born at all. And then the next one was when one, uh, when one asked, what's the point there were none left to answer. And, the last one was its gift was as painless as beautiful and bathed in its golden glow. They all sil- or they all slept happily ever after. So like in all of these, she's saying that everyone thought life was purposeless and that death was a gift. Mm-hmm. So I think she is inaccurately hitting a lot of people in each society. But at the same time, like if you can't stop a large group from dragging the rest down, is it any different practically? Right. Yeah kind of that that same you can paint all the ancients with one brush but then there's hermes who was the reason right so it's like yeah everybody thought that it's okay to just kill these things everybody did totally except the ones (laughs) right behind him having the funeral yes exactly yeah yeah i mean it is the that idea of like painting everything as one thing i think we realize and the game itself shows that you cannot do that because again it's never just one thing people are never just one thing society individuals ideas thoughts um even in ourselves a lot of times we have our own inherent conflicts right Mm -hmm. um but we can see that there is this perception, a choice, I guess you could say, to view things in this way, just as our heroes make a choice to view things in a different light. And I think in a sense, although there's a lot of things you can draw from this, right? Um, A lot of the commentary does have to do with the choice that we make in perceiving our own existence and the ways that we work to, you know, help others to connect, to lift ourselves up, to keep taking that next step Um, The choice that we make to realize that the world is full of darkness or that there may be potential ends to our life, our existence, our universe, that we have no true answers for, that there is no true neat, tidy bow to tie it all off with, that, you know, just as much as we experience happiness, we may experience sorrow. But I mean, again, this idea that it is always our choice within those moments, how we move forward, how we pick ourselves up, how we arm ourselves for the fight, whether mentally, physically, physically. and so, yeah, I mean, I, I love this dungeon, honestly, because yeah. I do feel like, again, it, it gives that context as to how something like the End Singer could even be born, that, you know, there is this choice to do this in a sense, but that also, like, there is great tragedy and suffering and that that in and of itself, I mean, can become, like you said, almost mm. a majority. It can become a prevalent thing. It can become something that overwhelms society. It can become something that causes downfalls or destruction or death. So, yeah, I, I think this is such a cool dungeon in a lot of ways. Yeah, the best dungeons really take you to a place because, you know, everybody talks about Final Fantasy XIV as a cinematic game, right? All the cinematics, those are not technically interactive. What is interactive is going through, feeling the dungeon, fighting the thing. And that's where you get the color, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they hit. And that's why some dungeons, you're like, I never want to do that again. I don't care about this. Or <laughs> it just doesn't do uh, the job of really making you feel it, making you go through something. Um, I didn't, you know, go ahead. I didn't realize the potential for that, like the full on mm. potential for that until I thought the fight for Sukuyomi was 
better yeah. than if it was a cutscene. Yes. And mm. like there is so much potential for that. And now that they've figured out how to do it so well, I have like you know how Yoshida has that kind of anxiety that now we, that we've dealt with Heidelin and Zodiac that like the main story is over and this is yeah. all just extras. I feel like they're going to be able to conquer that so much easier now that they've learned all of these tricks and are able mm. to tell stories in those ways because we're going to be able to have very deep, meaningful stories in fights with yeah. things that don't require gods. You know, it's just going to mm -hmm. be very emotional stuff and i hope that this is like kind of the peak of our insanity because yeah. they did do such a good job making the fights feel like part of the story mm. yeah and i i think that'll be you know that's definitely a topic for an the at the very end of the lore cast there's a lot of cosmic fatigue in another mmo that i'm not allowed to talk about apparently but anyway Oh, I was just sassing you. You can do whatever know, you want, I'll do you know. <laughs> but there's a lot of cosmic fatigue, and, and we have a possibility of feeling the same thing, right? We just killed mm -hmm. the, the gods. The gods, I mean, we're not quite there yet, and if I keep talking, we'll never get through the lore cast. But anyway, um, there has to be that de-escalation. But they have to keep the emotions. And, and like you're saying, Moose, I think that they have the tools now to do it easily. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess my, my second question then, um, how do you feel about this as the final dungeon um, against something like Amarat or um, what was it? Was it? Fractal Continuum? Was that Heaven's Word? Mm, I'm trying to remember yeah, the... Yeah. I think so. Wait. Yeah. Was it? Is that the name? Or was that the, the extra one? No, the uh, shoot, Ethereo, whatever. Yeah, Ethereo oh, Chemical. Ethereo that's the Ethereo one. Chemical. That's the one. I was like, no, yeah, that might have been the looks, extra one. But no, that's yeah. not the name. Yeah, looking at all the other uh, like final dungeons, Alamigo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, do you feel like this was the the best one in terms of um, like related to the story and kind of like gearing you towards like the finale or or did you like what you know a previous one better i didn't realize it until this conversation but i actually do think it's a good one yeah um, me too okay because yeah because the end is like that really that that long spring of cutscenes and tr like the trial and stuff like that and I feel like we had just come off of all that, like, explanation, Emmett Selk, Vanah stuff, Medion, outside of the thing. So I feel like rather than the dungeon, like, if we go back and look at all of what, what all those dungeons were, they were kind of a liminal space between mm. how we got to the fight and the fight. Mm. So we went through the liminal space of the Praetorium to get from fighting Garlemald to fighting Gaius. We went through the liminal space of Ethereochemical to get from fighting through the Alagon stuff to fighting the Asians and Thordan up there. So like it's like whatever we have to travel through. And mm -hmm. in this dungeon, that's the liminal space between the outside of Ultima Thule and the dimension where Medion is. And mm -hmm. I didn't, and, and at, at, at the time when I did the dungeon, I was confused. I didn't understand kind of the point of what we were doing. I was like, why this feels so random to flesh this thing out. But as we're sitting here talking about it, I'm realizing that's the liminal space as we go through into Medion's world. And mm -hmm. I think I've grown to like it a lot more in the past five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in the, yeah. the same boat. I think I, I like it more now that we've talked about it a little bit. Um, but I, I, 
I do think I still liked Amarat better. Yeah. They're 1A and 1B to me. It's yeah. so close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go. No, no, you go ahead, Aldino. You started. Oh, I was just I was just going to say, like, the the place that you are as a player and, and the emotional journey that you're on right before the dead ends versus right before Amarat, it's it's so it's very incomparable, I think. That's fair too, mm-hmm. yeah. Ah, uh, it's it's so hard to say because I mean Shadowbringers it just hit us all so different and in Endwalker we were ready for it almost. It's just weird. May- I, I can't yeah, really maybe separate that's, the two. Maybe that's what it was. We we we, we knew that it was coming, whereas Shadowbringers was know. just like, Hey, check it out, City of the Agents. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, can't really rank them. It's actually, yeah, I really agree. I think it's incredibly hard, and this goes for anything, right? Whenever mm. you have some sort of huge twist, turn, reveal, the feeling you have from not knowing that was even an option of a thing that existed is so very different than when, like, that is a thing that has been introduced, you know? They either have to try to do something to completely shake it up and reinvent again, or just know that you won't get that, like, extra boost of shock value and like the sudden opening of horizons of Mm -hmm. what the world could encompass. But at the same time, I do think both of these dungeons and or the story try to do that, right? I mean, this is opening up much of how we perceive even the universe, the context of the world that we have against Mm -hmm. other worlds. It's hard with these two because I think from a standpoint of experience, I think the sort of peak at the end of Amarat is stronger for me in the sense that like, how do you beat like traversing mm-hmm. the platforms above a crumbling planet right. while, you know, like all these monstrosities are raining down and there's this massive, you know, tool of the apocalypse at the end as you look out at the planet you love in a different time yeah. being destroyed. Like that scale is incomparable in a sense, mm-hmm. but like, Overall, I actually do think the emotional journey of uh, Dead Ends to me feels more robust in a sense. I mean, Mm. it's incredible because I think they've even given new context for Amarat because of the fact, like the final days, because like they used so many of those settings. I mean, we see Vinat in that like council Mm -hmm. discussion chamber. We see like the city. And even as you go through that, I think there's a lot to be found if you do um, like exploratory mode on that dungeon. That's just really fantastic. But I think actually Dead Ends for me, I, I like the variety of bosses a little bit better. I think the challenge mechanics are fun in those. I think that the the story, the moments, the, again, that larger complex theme that it's grappling with, that it's trying to support in the ending as we tra- you know, traverse this space, you know, this understanding to reach what it means to face the end singer. To me, I actually do think I like that a little bit better, mm. but it is really hard because I love both of those dungeons. And yeah, yeah, I do think they overshadow many of the others in the sense that they they just are of a grander scale, you know, like, mm-hmm. and paired with yeah. the context of the reveals and stuff. It's kind of hard to say the same for the others when it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is just us like fighting in the city at the culmination of this moment. And it's cool that these NPCs were there. I, I, you know, it, you know, thinking about it now, it's, I think it's, it's almost like they, you know, when they did Heaven's Word and, and Stormblood, they looked at Praetorium and mm. they're like, Oh, Praetorium. <laughs> like this this has been such a thorn in our side. You know, all these cutscenes. What are we gonna do with it? Um, but then really with like Amaroth, they're like, No, we can still tell narratives in a dungeon. Mm-hmm. Like we can we can make this work. And I and I think so, you know, between Amaroth and now Dead Ends too, I think they've just they've gotten better with the different methods that they 
can tell a story with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think something that'll that'll strike me forever. You know, now that we talked about this, and I I, I continue to think about it, is Amarat is just part of Dead Ends if we weren't from Etheris. Honestly, I if, was going to say that, and it slipped my know, mind. Yeah, you could easily take a chunk of Amarat's dungeon and put it in Dead Ends, and it would just it's a, fit the right same in. Same narrative structure, you know, like watching the end yeah. of a civilization that died because of their hubris. <laughs> you know, it's 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 really amazing that those two back to back kind of can can dovetail in that way. Yeah, one thing that is a tiny detail about mm. uh, Final Days in Amarat that I. I, to this day, I only discovered this actually like right before Endwalker. I don't know why I had never Mm. noticed this before, but the pins in that map are not locations. They are Emmett Selk's narrative. Yeah. So like each, each one of the locations and arenas are literally his lines. Like, and then we faced the first beast or whatever it is like, which is so cool. Like this Mm. idea that the dungeon itself is a story that he is telling to you. And these places are not a real place in time and space per se. They are his story, his myth, his narrative that he's delivering. I do love that touch. Um, But I mean, even like we said, I think in this one too, again, how they're broadening their storytelling horizons and with the greater context of the support of Ultima Thule in this zone, like, I really do think it culminates into something gorgeous. Like, mm-hmm. Medion has been taking us on this journey from place to place. And it's very much one thing to see these, like, dried out husks. But it is very much a different thing, I think, for her to still be pleading with you in this last moment. Like, I tried to show you why I thought this way. I tried to show you, but like, now you'll experience it for yourself and tell me if you think of anything different. And like, of course, we do have a different answer. Mm -hmm. But like, that journey, I feel like is just so supported by everything that's happening and then rolls so beautifully into the next moment. For me, at least when I was playing through, um, Mm -hmm. that it really will stay up there as I think one of the really big capstone dungeons for me. I think I think that's it for 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 the 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 dungeon. So we 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 do that last boss, and uh, we we start to get introduced to the end singer, who's who's you know all the the big bad, right? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's all the Meteon uh, as this really like a mono esque floating mm-hmm. bird lady head thing with some <laughs> like. Uh, I don't know of the actual name, but they're kind of like the, the hopping ghost um, kind of look, uh, that kind of folded in hand. Um, kind of what you do when you do that whatever creepy emote. Um, but uh, there's a character in Darkstalkers, Shinko. But yeah, they're these, and I think they're they're Chinese, I don't know, but these hopping ghosts that are all about revenge. And she has a very similar appearance. Mm. And it just, when I saw that, I was like, ah, okay, that makes sense. It's kind of like the rancor, the despair, kind of like a toneberry. A really beautiful, really angry space toneberry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you all had me at floating disembodied bird head yeah. woman. I mean, oh, like, yeah, yeah. I'm down. Uh, Amano just nailed it. I actually love this boss um, because visually, I think the design is so evocative. Amano, I mean, does these beautiful, intricate pieces of art. Uh, we saw with, you know, um, Heidelin, we saw with Zodiac. 
the level of detail, the silhouettes, the, um, you know, little accentuating features that he puts on the elegant, long sweeping lines reminiscent of brush strokes and ink strokes. Like it, it's so beautiful. The watercolor effect, right? To me, one of the things that stands out the most about this boss is the absence, the empty space. Mm. Because um, very much a lot of times he fills so much um, with all of the different intricacies of the design and even outfit details and stuff like that. Um, to have a design where he almost centers the entire thing around this negative space and the way she kind of holds herself where she's hunched. Mm -hmm. It's like she's protecting. It's like she's worn down. It's like she's empty. She's a husk. She's a shell. Oh, it's so very good. <laughs> I mean, um, we don't pay attention sometimes or we don't realize that we pick up body language. Um, when I studied in school, I did mostly I did a lot of focus in theater on movement, stage combat, the physical ways. I've talked about this before, but the physical ways that we embody those things so again that difference between having a figure who like Heidelin, you know when she at least is in her resplendent glory is like standing upright she's proud she's strong she has these long lines she has her sword she has her weapons um so then something like the end singer where again it's this almost like convex design where she's or convex is literally for when you're like caving in or is that concave? Probably concave. Concave, concave. Caving like in, concave I mean, design. that would make sense. Caving in, um, where it's all centered around almost this pain, this despair. And when you think about how you feel when you're, when you yourself are at your worst, how you curl up, how you ball in, how you try to protect yourself. Um, I love it. I think she evokes so much in a single gl like glimpse. It's beautiful. I... Um, I was so excited to see this design um, just because of like what I, th I think the meaning I make of Amano's art. Uh, a lot of Final Fantasy is rooted in, in Western fantasy and it's a very like Western concept, Western weapon names. You know, there's a whole lot of Western stuff in it. But when you get to Amano, he's representing that with, again, those classically trained traditional Japanese watercolors where you have those cultural ideas coming through. So you start to see kind of the Japanese sides of gods, the Japanese sides of demons, the Japanese sides of ghosts as they're going through it. And his artwork, there are a lot of pieces he's done where you have just kind of an apathetic or depressed or despairless face just kind of looking down at something. And it's like, again, that drained of color uh, expression to it. And it's just like, I think this boss captured that in the 14 theme park so well. And it's, like, and it's in, not in just terms the, of doing homage, yeah. This, you know, it's not just the the character too. I mean, this this cutscene takes place kind of in that that last area of the dungeon, right? That last star, which was like this gold and blue, like beautiful area. And then we get to the scene and everything just goes dark. Um, okay, so- I have so, a question. Okay. I, mm -hmm. say, I have a question for everybody. What do you think the end singer is? Do you think that she is a primal, as we would assume it, some kind of creation construct that was like fueled by the energy of despair that the Matea were gathering? Do we think that she is, um, I mean, like, I don't know if you necessarily have to know. My impression when I went through this the first time was that this like, egg <laughs> mm -hmm. the sadness space egg is what i'm gonna call it <laughs> was essentially like um 
I, I guess you could say a greater visual metaphor for the despair that the yes. Matea had been harboring, mm -hmm. right? That like they have been going around and hoarding this again, almost a choice, right? To just make this this ball to feed it, to just give it this energy. And that here in the space, because of their emotion, possibly also dynamis at play, their mm -hmm. manipulation of it, right? That like they concentrated it into such a power that it manifested and took its own shape um in such a way that i almost think of um this is this is kind of a greater i guess metaphor but a lot of times when you struggle with depression or adhd or not you i guess adhd as well anxiety as i meant but um neurodiversity but particularly mental health struggles um within that um, sometimes people will embody almost that side of themselves, right? My depression brain, my anxiety brain, um, almost this separation where you go, I realize that these are the things that like, I almost battle like a creature in the shadows. And many times in my life and mental health struggles, I felt like that too. And so for me, in a sense, she was almost that manifestation, but from like a lore standpoint, what do we think she is? Do we think that's it? Do we think it's something else? I'm, I'm curious. I think it's that because um, Median was an entelechy, which is like the catalyst between emotion and dynamis, and it can create physical effects with dynamis. So I saw mm -hmm. this all as the dynamis fueled physical manifestation of the emotion through Median, which yeah. is why it kind of had some of the same physical features. That's how I took it. I, I mm -hmm. would agree with that. Yeah, it's and I, and I think that they, they talked about this a little bit, too, how the idea for the end singer was just you're fighting despair. Mm -hmm. And I think that's yeah. what it is. It's just dynamis and median and that's what happens. And, you know, she's an I like she's this little bird lady. So you're going to have some wings and, <laughs> but it's also going to look, you know, uh, there's not going to be a lot of color because again, it's despair. It's mm -hmm. not, you're not fighting, you know, the culmination and, you know, dynamics result of like happiness and joy. It's like, it's not, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's dread, it's despair, it's sorrow. It, it took me far too long to notice that the connection there was like with Medion, that the connection mm -hmm. was in divine symbolism, like the, the wings on the side of the head and stuff like that. Like if you look at the symbolism that they invoked for Medion, it's not all that different from, do you remember the head that's like under Sophia and like the Charlay? I was just thinking of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a very, they're, like they're tapping very similar um, divine art motifs there. And it took me way too long to notice that in Medion. Yeah. There's some interesting, I mean, um, you think about Hermes even, or like uh, the winged messenger, mm -hmm. you think about angelic depictions, you know, um, I've always kind of viewed Sophia's head, Sophia's daughter, I guess, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> as being almost like more of a, a really old school biblical angel. Yes, you know exactly. what I mean? That it's kind Be of this afraid. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah, like having, I mean, in a sense, I actually love Medion's imagery because you have on one hand the imagery of this bird, and especially when she is at her best, the bluebird, right? Mm -hmm. Which almost has this kind of springtime, this this idea of freedom, flight, of joy in a sense. You think of birds chirping and the sun shining, and right? Like birds are oftentimes used as a symbol of freedom or um, I guess in a sense, almost indomitability of spirit, right? You know, we fly, we, or with the phoenix, we are reborn, we, we rise from the ashes, we, um, you know, raise ourselves from the earth to the heavens kind of thing, which also has a, an interesting parallel, I guess, as well, when you think of angels and things like that, that bridging between uh, mm -hmm. earthly and divine. 
um, the idea of flying to another plane or stuff like that. So I, I love that imagery with her. And you're right, I, uh, the way you pointed out the sort of parallels, even in Ensinger's design, um, becoming this even more abstract, you know, mm -hmm. almost twisting of that is such a cool detail to see in there. So uh, things start to go a little bit south. Um, you know, for, for, for me, I, I, you know, and I, I know I missed last episode, right? Mm -hmm. But that idea of really quick, I just want to throw this out there, you know, losing the scions one by one and stuff. Right. Didn't get me emotionally at all because I'm like, mm -hmm. we just did a trust fight against Heidelin. We're going to have another one against the boss. So, like, they're going to come true. back. So like it, I, I wasn't affected by it. Like I get what they were trying to do emotion wise. It just, it, it zero impact on me. But then we get to this part and everything is starting to go sideways. And then our character is like, yeah, you guys should get out of here. Pops the, the button on the teleporter, just lets it kind of fly up into the wind and everybody goes away. I'm like, all right, well, there goes that idea out of the window. <laughs> right. Um, and, and yeah, and then uh, this fucking guy. This is where we're going to start to talk about him a little bit. Zeno well, shows up. <sighs> yeah. Unfortunately. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I. <laughs> I, okay, I'm going to be. I'm going to fusion all over this. Um, <laughs> in this particular story, mate. Am I a verb now? Is that what just happened? I'm gonna fusion all I over. I made you into one. I made you no. I um no. I mean honestly, I fusion. I'm teasing. You are obviously. We respect the fact that you know you have your own takes on these. Um, we only tease because we love. Um, but I hate everything about Zenos being here, <laughs> yeah. and some people won't. And I'm absolutely okay. Like. Oh my gosh, there is a reason he has been around for so long. He has mm -hmm. a huge fan base. I I do believe that he's also hugely popular in Japan, from what I understand. So it's like, I understand why he's here, and there will be a demographic that love him and are mm -hmm. very glad that he showed up. I absolutely hated everything about this moment. I thought this was so bizarre. I was yeah. mad that he was even still in the game to, at all, but I then was extra mad that it's like, we had to go through so much to get to the end of the universe. We had to get like a crystal passed to us by the most beautiful woman that ever lived or will <laughs> ever live that had secret instructions on how to get to the farthest, <laughs> most obscure, most bizarre reach of space. We had to then rocket ourselves into space by shooting off fireworks full of primals. We then had to go up into space navigate a, a plane that didn't even exist until our friends sacrificed themselves to reach this moment at the end. And the last thing I was thinking was, boy, howdy, do I hope Xenos figures out somehow how to get here? Like, I, like, I, I want to, I want to preface what I'm about to say with, I'm sure like they thought long and hard about the overall narrative of Endwalker. Mm -hmm. But it really does give off vibes of like, okay. And then you fight the, Oh shit. What about Xenos? Uh, he shows up as Shinryu. Yeah, all right. Like it just—it's so tacked on to me, and it just—I—I I hate everything about it. Like you have this moment where you, as your character, you get the other scions out of there. You get them to safety. You're like, this is—I'm gonna do this. I don't want you guys to get hurt or worse. I got this. And then Xenos is like, hey, you need a hand, and you're just like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> no. <laughs> I get it on one hand. Here's the thing, because as we go through this discussion with Xenos, I will make many points and then counterpoints. Because yeah, mm -hmm. from a from 
a metaphorical standpoint, I kind of begrudgingly get what parallels we could make here in the sense that Shinryu was also a primal literally born of despair, right? Like, mm. this is an entity that, like, we have seen with everything that happened with Baelsar's Wall. We saw that the despair of our own planet gave rise to this beast. And then it was apprehended by the epitome of antipathy and and given manifestation by xenos so the idea that i guess despair would rise from the ashes in our own planet and face despair to pr i guess it's there in a i don't know but the <laughs> thing is is that for me xenos just does not work as the crux of this because he doesn't give two sorry he doesn't give two just say crabs. it yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care at all. We've had no reason to have any, like, he's just there because he decided, why not? I'll f go to the end of the universe to fight you. <laughs> and I think this all hinges on whether or not the player themselves wants that to be his motivation. And if mm -hmm. you don't, then like, this falls completely flat for me because he showed up and I was like, get out of here i hate i'm having a moment with the end of this narrative <laughs> you're ruining um, it <laughs> so it's like i i have a lot of strong feelings about this mm -hmm. but i really wish they had done literally anything else i would have loved midgard stormer here at the last moment or something yeah. i would have loved for him to be like i now fulfill the ancient pact and i arrive mm -hmm. like you know, my own people once were on the brink of despair and now warrior, I stand with you. You've proven to me. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't care for this story beat uh, and I don't understand how he gets there. And I don't like that he gets there and I <laughs> don't find it mm -hmm. very novel. So that's just me and sorry, everybody. I have a lot of nope. strong feelings. That's it's, I think part of it too, it's even worse when, cause you earlier, you have that, that little cutscene in Charlie and where after we leave, apparently the only thing that they do is just look up at the sky. They're like, I think I saw him. Like, what are they looking at? <laughs> like when they're doing this, but then like somebody shows up, they're like, Oh yeah. And then the camera cuts away. It's like, Oh, who was that? What's going on? And then it was like, Xenos just like shows up in Charlie and like the person at the dock doesn't know who Xenos is. And he's like, Hey, so like, can I help? No. Like, you're Xenos. Leave. Like, why are you here? Like, I just... I mean, I guess the, the alternative is, like, if they say no, they all get killed by him. So, like, in maybe in that sense. But it's, like, it's just weird. It's like, oh, yeah, come on over here. We have a little bit of Mother Crystal left if you're hungry. And then uh, they went that way. Yeah. I just... I, it feels weird. Um, it feels weird. <laughs> I'll be serious for one moment. Like... I, I agree. The lack of Midgard Zimmer was bold. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah. he was such a big part of the beginning to not have him be part of the end was really awful for me. Uh, but so much of my shit posting came true in 6.0 that I'm kind of throwing it out there now. Like, I will forgive this if Midgard Zimmer is a huge part of the presence of Silver Tier Lake arc. Mm -hmm. And they just mm -hmm. didn't want to have him be, you know, mm -hmm. part of the end of two big arcs. So there, there's a chance for redemption. Um, with Xenos, though, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of split my Xenos commentary into like pre-fight, post-fight mm. with N with N Singer. Um, sure. Yeah. Because I feel like this is the point where everyone is like, "We knew you were right to doubt what role he would have in this story, Moose. You must be the most mad of all of us. We've been listening <laughs> to you talk about this forever." And ironically, I have spent so long 
whining about him and fighting against his role here and fearing what he was going to do to the conclusion that now that we're here and everybody kind of fought, not everybody, but a lot of people like really fought me on that over that year. And we get to the end and he crashes through the wall. I have been so done with lore purism since we killed Zodiac at level 83 and the moon was a bunny piloted spaceship. And I made <laughs> so many jokes like, bro, if you want to fight so bad, just help me kill the sound. We'll throw down. I don't care. And I mean, I just was sitting in that dungeon going, screw it. Zenos, come back. Make it make sense, Zenos, that when he crashed through the wall, I was just like. <laughs> 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 so like for me, it's a joke at this point, like. But it was it there was also this just idea of the end is despair itself. And what is Xenos's life? Despair. He acts mm -hmm. like it's not, but his life is despair as much as anyone else's. He doesn't want to live forever in a world under the conditions that he's living in. He wants to die. Mm -hmm. And even he's going to fight against the end singer. Like this is the great unifier. Everything in the game against this one floating head. <laughs> and like that's what I that's what I'm going to choose to take away from it is that everyone in this entire game is choosing to say we're not dying on your terms even the guy who's going to demand 30 seconds later to die on his terms mm -hmm. so like i hated it but ironically not as much as everyone else <laughs> <laughs> i mean i can totally see the interpretation that, that you have with that i to me, it's funny because I don't, I don't know. Again, I think it's just how he's written. It feels like there is such a fracture with Xenos. It feels like if he had been written by Ishikawa from the start, we would be looking at a very different character here. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Mm. And so, like, for me, it's so tough because I feel like a lot of Xenos ends up being us reading into what we assume he is doing. And that there are a million justifications you can give for him, which in and of itself isn't a bad thing, right? Like, there should be leeway for you to interpret in your own way, but, like, to me in this moment, none of his dialogue, none of his anything act like support him being the yes, I want to go out on my own terms. Yes. But the like, even I will face despair and I am despair. His life is miserable. And yet I don't really actually think he ever conveys that to us. I mean, it feels far more to me like he is just. He I mean, he may be an actual psychopath in the mm -hmm. sense that like the way he registers emotions or responds to emotion is of a completely different beast than most other people now do i necessarily want that to be the case no i would have loved if we got a ton more like information with him and his inner workings i would have loved to have seen him really i think robustly be set up as the 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 anti side of us or something and that he mm -hmm. himself has succumbed to the despair whereas we have fought through it in a sense and yeah i just don't know if there's enough to justify that i think he has inflicted despair upon others i think we see him as an agent of despair whereas we are an agent of hope um that our emotions are our strength and he has no use for them and in this moment it feels so bizarre to me because i would have liked i mean I can read it the way you read it, and I can absolutely see that as a valid reading, but I myself feel like he is there for no other reason than to be like, okay, well, if you won't pay attention to me, I guess, when I hurt people and make things really bad, then maybe I'll help you fight something, and then maybe you will want to do something for me, so that maybe you will fight me, and then I will get what I want. <laughs> I mean, that's like, exactly what he is. Yeah. That's 100% what he is. 
I think that's why he came, but like, I think this will come up a little bit more in my second mm-hmm. rant, the post fight rant. Yeah. But, um, I think that he took some of what Alize said to heart and yes. that it's, it's, it's red. Like he's, he's doing exactly what you're saying, but it's resonating for me in a slightly different way because of why he's doing it. Like his, his understanding of his motivations seem to have changed a little bit, but like this again, like you say, I have to read this into him. And mm-hmm. I think what caused me to do it was part of his last speech there mm-hmm. where he says flat out, I never understood anyone else's feelings or motivations. My life has been nonstop cold pointlessness where I have been better than everyone at everything for no good reason. There has Mm -hmm. been no challenge, no opportunity for growth, no love, no nothing. And the only thing I've ever enjoyed in my life is those brief flickers of challenge. And you are the only thing that has ever given me that challenge. So I feel compelled to be drawn to you because I'm drawn to death because Mm -hmm. I refuse to die in anything that's not one of those brief flickers of light. So that he refuses to, I think what I'm reading into him is that he refuses to die in the darkness of despair and pointlessness. Mm -hmm. He needs to die in the brief flash of joy that he knows how to experience. And he's simultaneously driven towards that death and terrified that he's going to live a nice, long, happy life (laughs) it's under anyone else's judgment and he will die unfulfilled a feeble old man having lived 10 decades longer than he ever wanted to you know what i mean and i think that that hopelessness is his despair that he's going to live in uh, under his own terms right you know this expansion is all about despair and people when they hit that breaking point they disappear if Xenos is despair, why hasn't he gone away, right? Why Why didn't he just pop? Why didn't oh, he go? Only. Because he found his answer. That was his answer. He is answering too. Now, it's the wrong one. I disagree with it. <laughs> but I think, and, and here's, I think a lot of people are just tired of him. And you don't want to look into it. And you shouldn't have to. I'm, I'm agreeing. You shouldn't have to look that far. Yeah. But here we are looking very far into everything. Like, I'm just saying, it's it's just another thing to look into. And yes, you may not like the character, but I, I really feel that there is resonance there. Funnily enough, that's a joke. Anyway, but, you know, there's the resonance there. There's the, yeah, he's unknowable. Who the hell knows his intentions? He's a JRPG protagonist like yourself. He's not silent, but you have no idea what the hell the man's thinking. Right? It's, it's just, there's a lot of mirroring that, yes, there's there. But I think that once he found his answer, that's what kept him going. And how could you... You could fault him. Because, yeah, it's not a good answer and he does a lot of bad things. But it is an answer. It is. I guess, like like we said earlier, I mean, you're all making really good points. And I honestly was really looking forward to discussing this, even <laughs> as I knew I was going to get really yeah. worked up about it. Yeah. Um, because I was so furious for days. Right. My poor partner, I finished, I came out and I was like, oh my God, I just like went yeah. off for, you know, I was like, <laughs> I have to talk about Xenos right now. Um, I mean, it is something that's going to be divisive. And I think, mm-hmm. like we said, it hinges, a lot of it banks on just how you would feel about right. that. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, to me, I hated it. Like I said, I really strongly disliked this. Mm-hmm. I think because while all these points are so good, um, to me, that decision that you are his answer mm-hmm. was so frustrating to me in a sense because I was like, you have 
so long been nothing that I wanted anything to do with. I really, you know, in so many ways, and even just in that selfish demand that here in this final hour when these huge things are happening, that like we should somehow be beholden to him, tied to him in some kind of way. When I was like, I have felt nothing that ties me to you. I have felt nothing. And for some players, they won't feel that. They will have been long over this. They will not have had maybe the time that they needed, the solid answers, the introspection, the moments that I think led us to this support mm -hmm. where when he shows up, you go, okay, at last this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And while he does just recur a lot, I think a long, long time over since I stopped viewing him as anything that had a strong tie to me. Stormblood years, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things where I think it really hinges on how the player receives him in this moment. And I truly wish that they had put all of this with him far before this point, right, yeah. whether that's the second time you go to Garlemald, whether that's confronting him on the moon. I do think that the moments with him have the possibility of real emotional resonance, the idea of selfishness within the context of greater happiness and or connection to the world as opposed to isolation of the world, I do think is important in this narrative. I just really hate that it felt like my own agency in many ways was compromised by his selfish wish at the end mm -hmm. of this stupid game when I was like, I am so far beyond caring about you in any way, shape or form that the last thing I want is for you to be the last thing I go out on this expansion. I think, I think that's a triumph. Honestly, I think that the uh... feeling that they made you feel is great. I think I love the chaos of Xenos. I don't even care about him. I don't care one way or another. Like, yes, I wish he was explained more, but I love the effect that it had because you got to deal with it. That's the, the theme. You got to deal with it. You got to deal with this stupid guy who won't leave you alone because you have I to. I mean, do you? you? Uh, well, I mean, you, you have to because that's the narrative yeah. they chose. If 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 it's I could life. write my own ending, you'd have been like, yo, let's duke it out. I'd have been like, no, I'm going to buy you a nice cottage and you're going to live out the rest of your days far away from me and I'm never going to see you again. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, I, it, it, go ahead. I can't tell what, like, I'm sure when I watch the VOD of this, you're going to like, mm -hmm. you're going to see the moment that it clicks in my head and I just start dissociating like, oh no, <laughs> like you have either ruined or saved this for me and I'm not going to oh, be no. sure which for a few hours. Oh yeah. Mine was like the I'm world's scared. biggest oh, like grown. I'm just like, oh my uh, God. Like, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but like the year that I spent whining about this guy, I said over and over and over that I was willing to lower my bar. Mm -hmm. to just wanting one question answered. And that question was, why is it better for the story, the grand narrative, mm. that he survived Stormblood, that he survived his death? Why is it better that he survived his death that he didn't and that anyone else did this? And I thought it was going to be tied up with the, like, what did Emmett Selk do that, mm -hmm. you know, enabled this? And we didn't even answer that. It didn't nope, even come still, up. No, it's, no. It wasn't even in the game. No. Yeah. And now I'm like, so, and and now it's just like, we, we spent a lot of time talking about it last time. Like, he's the warrior of light backwards. He's mm -hmm. someone who has the same strengths and gifts and has chosen a completely different selfish path with it. And at the end of the game, we have come all of this way. It's the last moment. And this man, the warrior of lights mirror. So we're putting down our mantle as warrior of light at the same time that he disappears too. So he has to walk to the end of the road with us. That's narrative symmetry. That's one reason. But also 
even this man at the end of the game, even Xenos, the only thing that gives him hope in the entire world is the Warrior of Light. That's the only thing? That is maybe the greatest saving grace of this, in a sense, in that, yes, I think you are so powerful a figure. You have faced so much that, like, Again, yes, you even give him hope. So him being there in a sense, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it's in, 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 the, in the future that he's hoping for is selfish and stupid and horrible. Mm-hmm. But it's at the same time, mm-hmm. he like the warrior of light is even able to bring that out in him. I can achieve this thing I want. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's just it's so tough. Go ahead, Alduna. It's just it's it's just one of those things where yeah I I agree like I don't like that he wrote in like the cavalry I dislike the way that it was done in the story don't get me wrong I'm not like oh I love Xenos I literally don't care um, <laughs> but it's a great just uh, punch in the face and yeah they didn't talk about where he came from and I really hope just to hurt everyone and this is me being chaos and the theory that's never going to come through is that he's like he was implanted with the shard of us from the void or something. And that's why he cannot, you know, that's the resonance, right? He remerged or something like that, or he is literally us from there. Who knows? Like, I would love it just to intertwine him even more to deal with the fact that you can't escape your shadow. Just to make me even you angrier. Can't. You can't. You know, you would be even angrier. I Because I we were know. told that on the void on the 13th, everyone's selfish and that's why they failed. Right. I mean, I guess I, just... I don't know. I don't know. I I feel like all these things, again, are great possible metaphors for him. I just don't actually feel like he was written in a way that feels compelling to actually fulfill these metaphors to, again, just me personally. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's what always makes this a difficult conversation. And especially, too, because when we look at this moment, right, I think that there is something we were talking about Endsinger and the Mm -hmm. kind of emotional feeling there, the fact that. This is, again, almost kind of like the embodiment of um, the Matea's despair, the world's Mm -hmm. despair in a sense. But then also there's this great power in essentially us being alone in this moment, Um, us being the one, because we talk so much about the power of, you know, the people around us, which is important, the people that we rely on, the people that we love. We've had all of these kinds of lessons again in like, how do we walk? We walk together, but also, I mean, just like we talked about in the last episode, Mm. we walk our path alone. There are moments in our lives where we will have no one but ourselves. And that sometimes those darkest moments, those moments when we face the darkest reflections of ourselves are alone. And it's tough for me because, again, I guess because they didn't quite sell this to me in a way that resonated Mm -hmm. for me personally. To me, I would have rather not had Xenos show up at all. And if they were going to do something like this, have us at the very end manifest and face a version of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like our own despair in whatever form that takes. I think that's what they try to do later as we get to that fight. Mm -hmm. But to me, it really felt like it undermined this facing of Endsinger. I felt like here I am vulnerable. Here I am having had this incredible emotional experience. Here I am facing what could be considered a manifestation of my despair, of everyone's despair. We are not alone in our grief, our sadness, our suffering, our anxiety. We all experience these things, but we must face them both together and alone. And so for me, that was the power of the moment. And having Xenos show up with his, yeah, stupidly beautiful face, but his (laughs) awful, egregious personality and bad writing that I hate was like, you have really undercut the power of this moment 
for me as yes. a player. Yes. And mm-hmm. it really felt like it it just so confusingly threw into disarray for me the themes that I was being so beautifully led through that like, you know, why have everybody leave us and then come back in this moment of triumph? And then, you know, again, we face this thing alone. Why have him show up from the other side of the galaxy? (laughs) Even if there had been a moment before this where we had some kind of pseudo reconciliation and he came with us out here, I might've even felt better about that. It just felt so disruptive and bizarre to like, the moment I was in. And some people I think will have really loved it. And I think there's a lot of ways to read into it and argue for it, which is great. I always think more conversation is better than less. So we should embrace that. We should embrace debate. It's great because we all come away from it with something if we're respectful and we engage with it in an open way. Like, But for me, I just think this whole bit fell flat. And yeah. uh, it actually did really undercut a lot of the mm. ending for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, but we'll, we'll get into the fight and everything Yeah, else. so let's, we, we uh, and, you know, we, we joked <laughs> getting into this, you know, oh, we're going to just talk about Xenos for like five hours. And it's, yeah, maybe. But we yeah. need to get past some of this other the stuff fight. first. Do we? <laughs> maybe this is how There's only we a little get bit. past it. There's only yeah. a little maybe, bit left. There's only a little bit left. we get past it by getting past it. Right. <laughs> and I'm not past it yet. <laughs> Well, we have the sandwich at the end of the battle. Like we talk about the battle for a second and then go right. We'll talk back about the Zenos. yeah. We'll we'll go right into it. So so Zeno shows up. He's like, oh hey, sorry, are you busy? Um, <laughs> I thought and then you'd be done by now. You you basically all he's there to do is to serve as a platform for the yeah. boss fight. Um, it he he doesn't even do anything meaningful during the fight, which is good because I don't yep. want him to come in and then like actively help us because yeah, that would be, be a even worse than what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it it's weird too because like so you fight the ending, you're the platform is this you know magic circle on top of Shinryu, which they didn't need Shinryu there; they could just had a magic circle, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 music that plays is this kind of combination of all these like all the different boss fights that, that we've had mm-hmm. over the last 10 years, but it starts off with that Shinryu music. And I fucking hated it because of that. I was <laughs> like, it just, it just reminded me. It's like, Hey, remember Xenos is still here. And it just, it, this whole thing just really took away from the ending of this fight for me. But once we get into the fight, uh, our outline, I don't know who put this in here. All caps. It just says planets. Zen. That sounds like, that sounds like a Zen thing. So yeah. during the fight, Ensinger just like throws planets at you, which yeah. is weird. But it it this is and and, and I've talked about this a, a couple of times where, uh, and and reasonably so, the game has issues sometimes dealing with the scale of things, like the literal scale of things. Mm. Like yeah, okay, I get they're supposed to be planets, but they're just really big rocks. <laughs> like if it was an actual planet. Like it would be a completely different situation, right. and they, it's just for the emotional effect because it's made uh, out of dynamis. But you know, and honestly though, like they could have also like made that work if they really wanted to. Sure. They could have had a giant planet, and then yeah, like they could have made that work. But instead, you have all these weird little—I don't know. Well, they're nothing to her. They're insignificant. They are tiny. That's like that's I mean, what I chose to. That's think fair, of but it. then but it's we're really also really big on that scale. It's like look how yeah. tall we are. We're as tall as, well, as a planet. I mean, think about I our mean, powers of dynamis. We would be much bigger. I, I'm just saying, right? Yeah, there's yeah, the yeah. civilizations. They're the civilizations and planets she consumed, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's that's what I got from it. That you know, mm, sure. she 
I mean, again, is just like we saw on a small scale, the planets, we have an idea of what the people, the places were like. She is literally taking, you know, the worlds that were visited and lobbing them at us. Or or are these just other worlds that she realized she missed as we're floating through space? She's like, (laughs) oh, shoot, I didn't get this place. Uh, Like... Can you imagine you an entire civilization like like Earth? We just look up one day and the end singer just grabs us and just throws us to this giant like platform on a flying dragon. And that's that's I mean, how our civilization ended. We got thrown yeah. at the Warrior of Light during the final battle. I think it's also supposed to give you a sense of insignificance. Um, yeah. Like when we look at, I mean, even talking about, right, uh, when we go to the, oh, what are they called? The Aya. And the Aya mm-hmm. talking about the heat death of the universe, right. you know, that fun little thing they touched on. Yeah. Um, there's this sense, right, where we, I think at times, realize how small and insignificant our lives are. Um, in, in just a moment where even if you think that right now, all of us may be in different places, on different points of the world, all over the globe, listening to this or doing something else, there are people out there who are doing something beyond your comprehension. They're running errands, having families, doing work, sleeping, that are doing... Like, when you think about... I like how you say errands are are beyond my comprehension. (laughs) No, I understand how running errands works. I just don't do them. (laughs) I just hate them and I decline to do them. (laughs) Um, That's what DoorDash is for. No, um, (laughs) so... It's, it's something where when we start thinking about how we are one small thing in the facet of everything, right? That can overwhelm you sometimes. I mean, sometimes people don't even like going to cities because they are one small thing in the crowd. Um, and yet it's also funny because like, I think there's kind of an incredible power in that, that as individuals, we are, I guess, almost as small as we allow ourselves to mm-hmm. be. So in this fight, right, there is this sense that we are one small thing against even what the Matea are telling us, who are you to stand mm-hmm. against all of this proof that the world is miserable and despairing and that it is emptiness and it is void and that everything will be consumed and that you yourself should fall prey to it and that you have struggled with it. And who are you to keep struggling? Who are you to keep walking? Um, so like it is this grand cosmic thing, but I think it's also very personal that we say, I am a small thing and I am everything, you know, and together we are a part of something bigger. Um, and I cried a lot during this fight. It was hard <laughs> for me to see the mechanics because I was crying so much and especially too, because I queued in with a whole bunch of friends and then I was crying even more feeling all of this uh, because it is just like, I mean, beating your own demons down almost. Mm-hmm. In a sense. I always, I always love hearing stuff like this fight made me cry. There has only been one fight. Mm-hmm. Where I was like hard to see the screen, and that was the instance fight as Alphano when Gaius reappeared. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's back. <laughs> Everybody's going to engage with it differently. Yes. Um. So she's throwing planets at us. Um. We we hit this uh this halfway point where we have this kind of cutscene interrupt us. She does the, the whole, like the, you know, LB tank LB three, this thing, because you will die mm-hmm. if you don't. And she's like, I am going to do it again, which is always fun. When you go into that fight for the first time with like a new tank and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. LB three again. Oh no, we don't have LB three. I always, I always love to like to do that. <laughs> I'm such an ass. Nice. Um, but then you get that cutscene with the scions praying and it, it mimics those, uh, that those scenes from from 1.0 from end of an era where mm-hmm. they're praying um, and then it just gets into like super like 
happy let's kill the boss fun time like in that second half of the mm-hmm. fight the music kicks up and you're just like yeah we're doing it yeah uh, just like thornton <laughs> Um, there like is also, Jordan's, yeah. as Chris points out in the chat, the fact that apparently limit breaks are dynamis. Yes, exactly. Because when <laughs> you do limit break three, you should go dynamis? Question mark. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> this entire Everything expansion is... has just been a mm-hmm. way to explain limit breaks in the lore. That's yeah, all. They're like, what are some of the unanswered questions we have? What's a limit break? <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we'll answer that in the entirety of six point oh. <laughs> I'm I'm mad that it doesn't start with an A because it's ruining my list of A's. Like I, everything in this game that you don't know what it does, you're supposed to be bl- able to blame it on something that starts with an A. You got Alagons, <laughs> Ancients, Asians, Aether, and now Dynamis. <laughs> <laughs> but that that little part recontextualized for me the Warrior of Light fight in which he uses Limit Break four. Because in impersonating us, could he then use Dynamis? That does that beg the question at this point? I mm-hmm. really like that question. Interesting. Because he's the only enemy one. that could use a limit break, and he does. Cody's so, gonna yeah. hate us in our next interview. <laughs> right? Did he just use the Dynamis of the people that he was summoning? Is what? I want to know. Technically, were, were the, the versions of the things he was summoning even capable of manipulating them? Right. I, I mean, don't yeah, know. Well, because technically he was, right? Yeah. He was brought in, uh, or, or he is the heart, correct? So mm-hmm. he is, yeah. uh, in and of himself, he would still be, we assume, intact, mm-hmm. unsundered. No, he would have been sundered with, no, he wasn't, because he would already escaped from Zodiac. <laughs> That's that a good point. question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so My... I had a moment. I feel like is I feel like I'm betraying my own foundations by saying this here, but like if if converting emotion into tangible effect is dynamis, like and and that's something entelechies do. Mm. And they only told us what an entelechy is like three weeks ago. Yeah. I think we can see it wherever we wanna see yeah. it. Until yeah. they tell us explicitly what is and what isn't, which isn't even in their best interest, because mm-hmm. we're sitting here having these conversations and filling <laughs> in all their plot holes for them. So I think they're probably going to sit back and wait a couple weeks before they go. Yeah, yeah, this this collection of them, those are really dynamics. We're going to keep yeah. slide these over here. And so I think it's just like because it's something they just invented, we can kind of see it where we want to see it mm-hmm. until we know for sure. That's right. fair. It's just a fun question. Really, honestly, yeah. who knows if we'll ever have the answers? It's, it's a fun well, question. That's, that's going to be the like. I feel like there's never going to be a podcast again where we're reviewing something that was in the lore and going, "What if it was Dynamis?" Right. <laughs> that's just going to be the new big question every episode. Well, it's like even right. if it was, it still happened. Like whatever, mm-hmm. I, you know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, as Goldstar says in the chat, it could very much just be that he was mimicking a power mm-hmm. he had seen the heroes use, right. that kind of thing. I mean, but it he could goes also further be... than we do. He does. I mean, yeah. it, it could also. He sees I mean, himself as better than we are. Yeah. So he's capable I, of I just, more than we I'm are. I'm just so imagining him now, like, while he's waiting for us to do the, the hero's gauntlet and make our way back to the tower. He's sitting there with, like, a bunch of, like, poster board and some markers making a four-section, like, limit break <laughs> gauge. And he's like, yeah, four. That'll teach him. And then, Can't like, during the thing, uh, he just goes to attack us, but then he just pushes a button and it just, like, pops up behind the throne with a little four bars. Know, He's like, yeah! Do you know, I'm just like, do you know you. I am this cynical? 
I've, I've just realized why I'm this cynical because every time something new comes into the story like this and I think about it like very deeply and I try to figure out kind of the new mechanics of it, they go back and they blame something that I've been thinking about for 10 years on that brand new thing. And then I'm like simultaneously really impressed and deeply annoyed. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, this is where I know in my heart through my past experiences, my subconscious knows not to trust this, to be jaded and cynical about this because in 6.5, they're gonna come out and be like, yes, the heart of Sabiq was a vehicle for using Dynamis to transform yep. Zodiac's rage into the most powerful destructive magic of all time. And I'm gonna be like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Moose, it's about the journey, not the destination. <laughs> you got to just enjoy that ridiculous, fun tinfoil hat moment, you know? <laughs> it's valuable in its own way. The tables Although, have been turned. They've been turned, you know? Um, I do see the question, are primals entelechies? Which I would say, no. I, I would mm. feel very comfortable yeah, no. in saying that they aren't. Because we do know that creation magics by the ancients were their own thing, mm -hmm. and that Medion and Entelechi was designed differently, right? What Hermes did was different, um, and that part, part of that had to do, I believe, with her ethereal composition, right? So mm -hmm. um, primals specifically being constructs of concentrated ether in many ways yeah. that were imbued and directed with certain seemingly very precise incantations and things that had to really be troubleshot even down to their nature versus like... Um, what we see with the Matea and Medion, who, um, you know, seems to remark that she hasn't encountered any others like her until she finds us, um, and mm -hmm. that she seems to be almost something new in and of itself. Uh, so I wouldn't, not to say that more Entelechies couldn't be made that may or may not be summoned and created in a process somewhat similar to Primals, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't think that inherently Primals were Entelechies. Although, the fact that in current day, the way that they are summoned and or fervent right. prayer emotion seems to drive them is a very interesting component of that. Um, uh, and yet, from what we know, I believe with Endwalker, it does seem as though the Asians and the information that they passed on for that summoning, uh, again, would be more adherent to something like Primals since mm. many of them had not really explored the, you know, uh, and, and didn't even remember that Dynamis or something like uh, the you know Matea existed still. I don't know if anybody else. I, I just I so so I, I I had some thoughts pop in my head, somewhat related. You know, talking mm. about the idea of uh, you know creation magics versus dynamis and primals. Um, I am really looking forward to these new Hildebrand quests now, <laughs> because if Gilgamesh can accidentally make Enkidu just from like having a like a like a cart of crystals nearby, what is he gonna make with dynamis? <laughs> Oh no! What are his feelings? Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe he will make actually like Excalibur. Maybe he'll make the yeah. the one true weapon. Mm -hmm. Probably not, but I'm sure yeah. it'll be fantastic. Whatever it is, I mean, you know, it's it's good and it's it's very it's good and it's it's infuriating world building to then add Dynamis. Right? Ooh. I was trying to say good and bad, but it's not bad. It's just infuriating, like we were saying. Because yeah, you go. Are the primals controlled by Dynamis? Let's not talk about it. Let's just, let's not even think about that. 
that's mm -hmm. that's where I was going actually. I was yeah. thinking that like primals are more the result of humanity's the Sundered's ability to interact with Dynamis yeah. in a mm -hmm. way. That's what that's, I was thinking. That's, that's like a thing. In influencing that... their powers and emotions. Yeah, because I mean, bit. even even yeah. if right, the the basis of of summoning right is mm -hmm. basically just the Asians being like, yeah, creation magic, uh, summon your gods, but. <laughs> Everybody here now has the power to manipulate Dynamis. And, mm -hmm. no, you and just, if it's you just, emotion, who's not to say that these primals haven't already had some kind of Dynamis like influence? You just like I've been waiting so long for Hildebrand, and you've just made it so that if it it is it is not Gilgamesh causing chaos with the dynamic manifestation of his false bravado. Mm -hmm. That I'm going to be disappointed. I need I need an entire battlefield. Well, and then and then he confronts Hildebrand, and Hildebrand yeah. also uses Dynamis to just something. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, gentlemen like of it. hope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I think you could make a very strong argument that the entire Hildebrand family has been channeling and using Dynamis on yeah. for a very long oh, time. Oh yeah, false, false bravado versus ignorant bravado. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, oh. unflappable con uh, unflappable confidence because he doesn't know any better. Mm-hmm. All right, so where were we? End singer. <laughs> End of the fight. Yeah. <laughs> End of her, the fight. Her flailing around because she lost already. As fusion yeah. does the uh, the like thousand yard stare. I'm like I'm like where, I'm like recover everything. Um. Yeah, so you defeat her, um, and then you have the the kind of like the end cutscene moment, right? Where you're talking with her, the music starts to play, you get the the end theme running, um, and it's the uh, what was, uh, flow. Flow is what plays, mm -hmm. and so, <laughs> and immediately Rook Rook is just gone. Yep. I mean. <laughs> I just okay. Let's just talk again about how they re, uh, recontextualize the music in this expansion, mm -hmm. because we had flow, um, which has iterations throughout the entire game before you even know that it is flow the song. Yeah. So you hear this little message of hope, right? This this message of meeting, of re meeting, of you know um, how things separate us but bring us back together. It's so beautiful, and then you get that first duel. Uh, with Vinat. Oh, that's my favorite beautiful. version. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite version. And, and you get this sense like, oh, this must be Vinat singing to us. And then, you know, you get the moments with Heidelin where, again, you're recalling that. And then you get this moment where suddenly, again, this one song is being sung and or is a vehicle for emotion for multiple characters. Because suddenly it is Medion. Um, you know, hello, I've been waiting for, for you for so long. It, it's mm -hmm. like... Oh, it got me so good. I just sat there listening to the music. I just like, this feels as much a part of the dialogue as the dialogue is, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I wanted to just feel what it felt in that moment to hear this song as sung here at the ends of the universe with, you know, despair having been conquered and to be giving this gift of hope to another person. I mean, oh my gosh, it just, it got me real good. Mm. Um, so you have this moment with her, um, and basically she's like, all right, I realize now that 
not everything is sad and whatever and i'm gonna like let things be able to be like created and things live yeah. again and so she does this really cool particle effect and everything's shiny and pretty and uh she says all right now you can go back to your friends And then <laughs> here he is again. This, um, this like this segue while you guys prepare your emotions uh-huh. feels feels like a good a good place for like me to start coming back to a little bit of what I think is going to be my conclusion with Zenos, mm-hmm. um, and I expect it's going to be a little different than some of y'all. Um, but I actually. The first time I met Medion was like a little like weirded out by her because mm-hmm. she comes out and she's just like, um, hey, nice to meet you. Don't be afraid. I mean, you no harm. I just want to hear your words, share your feelings and know your thoughts. Can you be friends? And I'm like, oh, that's creepy. A little too forward, a little too fast. Just slow it down, kid. And when we got to this part of it, when she said it again, same exact lines. I wish to hear your words, share your feelings, know your thoughts. May we please be friends. I think that was like the most emotional part of the game for me. Hmm. Um, because where it was like weird and uncomfortable the first time, it was just heartbreaking the second time. And it made me regret not understanding her more the first time around. And it made me very, very sad. Um, and there was this part. You're making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already crying. I'm so sorry. Please keep going. And I felt doubly bad because this was the moment where she realizes she should have understood us sooner. And it was just, it was back and forth, this whole emotional moment. And I spent all of it on the edge of my seat, fearing that this scene was going to be cut short by Xenos just cutting her in half. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like it would be the most emotional part of the game and just shink and she falls dead to the floor and he's like, finally, we're ready. And he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He let her finish. He He let us have our moment. And this was like where I started coming around to the idea that I'm compromising with Xenos here. He didn't do anything that I accused him of doing to ruin this game in all of the year we spent coming up to this. So I laid out my fears of the like the what that it could be awkward and uncomfortable and he doesn't really have a full place here. Maybe that did come true. Maybe a lot of people did see it as we got close to this, but he didn't do the stuff I was afraid of. So I'm starting to compromise. Okay, you all clearly have something to say about all right. this. So. so this this end scene and I'm going to I'm going to ask a bigger question here in, in a second. Really fast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you going to jump straight into the Xenos debacle? No, 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 no. I'm not, okay. I'm not okay. jumping okay. on onto because that. Because I was like, I want to follow up for sure on what Moose yes. pointed out so no. beautifully yeah. about we, that we, moment. We will be that. talking okay. more about, mm-hmm. about Meteon for a little bit here. It's okay. Um, <laughs> joking about how Xenos didn't show up and like cut her in half. I would have totally like stabbed her or something if I had the option to. Um, <laughs> but, but that's, which leads me to my bigger question is, do you see Meteon? as a villain this is this has been something i've seen come up a lot Mm -hmm. some people think consider her a villain some people don't consider her a villain i consider despair the villain i consider her to be a victim of it as much as anyone else because she was sent to find an answer that she couldn't give and found something that would depress the person who asked it i don't think that's her fault 
like Emmett Selk said it, did you give any thought to how you phrase that question? Mm -hmm. So I think the enemy is despair and she was as much a victim of it as the rest of us. That's my opinion. I agree. And I also think it's difficult in this sense because I don't really think Medion again, is meant to be a traditional villain in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Bruce, what made me tear up when you were just talking is the fact that hearing you say that journey right? That moment, that awkward, uncomfortable moment where she shows up and she's like, hello, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to hear what you think, or hear what you have to say, think what you're thinking, feel what you're feeling. I want to, you know, like, know you, do you want to know me? There is something about Medion that again, yes, there's a lot, I think there's plenty to be argued about her just showing up out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And again, because traditional fantasy narratives do try to frame things as villains. Obviously this was a threat in a sense that we were fighting against. Yeah. But I think Medion is in a very metaphorical way, just what it means to be a person trying to connect with other people. You know, I mean, those lines, when we think about it, what do you think when you reach out to someone? When you send that first awkward, weird message, you DM them on Discord, you know, you're sitting in like your FC and you're like, oh, I'm new here and I don't know anybody. Maybe I'll say hi in the chat. And you put hi in and no one says anything. And you're like, okay, I'll never say hello. (laughs) you know um or you know you reach out and you feel so like you feel that reciprocation you feel like you've made a friend you you know do this but really when it comes down to it we are all fumbling blindly in this world you know we are all born into it we grow in it and we learn from it and we all have a desire to connect to have our feelings felt registered understood by others to be seen by others um to be validated in some way, shape or form, to be given hope. Um, And so, I mean, it is so beautiful what you said because it is awkward when you don't know someone. And there's a big question always about how do we connect with one another and people will have different levels that they need or want, but we all need some form of communication, connection, um, interconnectedness, interaction. And so there at the end to have this moment where you realize that there is a genuine desire to just know others and that at times that desire backfires and it can lead you to despair. It can lead you to being hurt. It can lead you to discovering grief, sadness. Um, You put yourself out there in a relationship. It doesn't go well. A friendship and things turn on you. And we all, in a sense, hoard our own cosmic space eggs um, of grief. and universal sadness Mm -hmm. (laughs) and sometimes those eggs we don't know how to let go of them (laughs) we don't (laughs) and they hatch into a freakishly beautiful space woman (laughs) that we then have to defeat um using the power of hope like i do on tuesdays and so at the end (laughs) this moment it gets you because here is this entity that has felt the greatest depths of despair, who has been through so much that they weren't prepared for. Because really, I mean, are we ever prepared for the things we experience? Sometimes, but we have to experience them. And for her at the end of everything, to say again those words that brought so much pain to her, but that are worth so much, and to say, please, please, can we connect and then you reach out and you take her little baby hand and i just like (laughs) 
there is such a power in depictions of contact in this game. It's amazing to me. We talked about the hug in Orianje scene. There is this mm. like wall. Some of that I do think is a cultural thing with um, like particularly the fact that it's made by a Japanese company. Some of it also just engine stuff, mm-hmm. like how you make characters interact when they have various gear and all kinds of things. But to me in this moment, that touch was so incredibly necessary that I'm really glad they did it because we will all hurt, but we have to all also reach out. We have to believe. We have to be the one who both reaches and the one who, you know, needs to be reached out to at times. We have to be the one that starts it, initiates it. We have to be the one that receives it. it it's it's just so beautiful. <laughs> all, all I can think of now is is there's the that YouTube channel that is the the bad lip reading where they do songs mm-hmm. on occasion. And now I just want to hear the, the musical rendition of Space Eggs of Grief. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she's pretty I mean, good. Yes, I think. but like in that regard, we can't necessarily say that she's a villain because again, I think yeah. she's a vehicle for something much larger, right? Mm-hmm. She is meant to be a part of the greater metaphor. She is also an individual character who, as Moose pointed out, I think again is a victim in many ways. But sure. like, I don't think she is a villain in the traditional sense because really she is embodying something much bigger. I mm. yeah, I, I you know I I would agree. I think with with that. I mean, the the more that I've kind of thought about it, um. But I also, I think I wish that she was more of an obvious villain for, mm. for, for me. And again, right. I'm, I'm, I'm the, the person that like really didn't like Endwalker. I thought a lot of the, the headcanon I had over the last 10 years really just kind of fell flat. You know, after, after Zodiac gets, gets killed off and, you know, at level 83, you're like, oh, okay. Okay. So then like, what's the big bad? Oh, it's a little girl who felt despair. All right. Hey. Wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could safely I, say. I actually like I went the exact other way with it, believe it or not. Okay. Um and, and this is coming from someone who expected Zodiac to be a villain. So I actually I, I actually in the end, I preferred them answering that question. The a couple of questions the way they did. My first question, of course, being how do we after we know Zodiac has been separated and imprisoned and pieces of him are broken how do we and and now all three originals are dead how do we get all those pieces back together how do we combine them into this threat how do we face this thing and i love that the answer is just you don't Mm -hmm. uh so like (laughs) that was cool to me and i feel like we knew that there was something beyond this there was this mysterious force the sound we called it for a long time and We knew that it was coming and for the sound to also be a pure villain, I think would undermine Emmett Selk as the villain. Whereas in terms of the story that we were being told, I feel like Shadowbringers was more of a culmination than it than it intended to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I personally like to think of Shadowbringers as the culmination of us fighting our villains. That... And in, in, in that way, I'm glad that no one upstaged Emmett Selk. I loved him as the, the villain of that game because I think what this is driving home is that in Final Fantasy, your threats, protagonists, antagonists, they're not always good and evil. And we've already mm-hmm. fought our evil. 
in in Shadowbringers, we fought what we thought evil was, and even our evil was coming from our from their own place of hope. They had hope that their world could be what it was again, mm-hmm. and that's why they were our villains because we wanted something mutually exclusive with that. And I feel like if the sound was a villain, we would have lost something in that. So for us to realize that our evil was also coming from a place of hope, and the true villain is despair itself, I think it balanced it out in a good way. Mm-hmm. I like so even though I missed out on say the climactic villain, I think I got a better bigger picture for it. I think I think yeah, I mean and, and right you know and I I've said it before I'll say it again. I don't know how the hell I would have ended things, right? They had to wrap it up mm. somehow and they right. did. So like I can't hate on them too much for for that, right? But I I think I would have rather have had a more obvious villain right like the you know the idea of like okay uh median is an entelechi she can just sense emotion and she gets overwhelmed like yeah but then like my own brain is rationalizing it like yeah but those are all choices she made so really she's a villain because she chose to like make it so that like nothing could be created ever again in like the vastness of space um but it also feels weird to try and and kind of force that thought onto the character too with, with how it happened. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I wish it was just a little more cut and dry because when you have this, you know, these characters that are open to, to so much different kind of interpretation and, you know, you really need to, you know, Mm -hmm. do a podcast and talk about them for four hours before you really (laughs) understand them. That's how you get characters like Xenos who just, eh, like it's, (laughs) E, e, like on, on the on the surface, right? There's nothing really obvious other than he's a weird, creepy stalker man that wants to fight you. And then, the, as you spend more time going into him, this is how we're gonna like transition you like this. Mm-hmm. And then the more you kind of get into it, you realize there's like, yeah, some people see things there, but like, I just still see boring, weird stalker guy that wants to fight you. Like it's, it's that, that what, you know, people might see some, everybody will see something different. Yeah. Um, see, I, and we're going to segue into Xenos, but I don't, I don't even think the villain is despair. Cause it's, it, you can't, it's unknowable. I think the villain is actually the stupid walls, the, the lack of communication, the, the walled off garden that we make of ourselves. That is the mm. enemy. That is the antagonist. That is what we're trying to break through through all of this. And in Shadowbringers, we learned, hey, there's there's other ways to do this. The, the, we have a long history of doing this sort of thing. And then in Endwalker, we learned, and we should continue. We were literally made so that we could break down these walls because it's it's necessary, right? Like it's just it's one of those things where I'm like, I it, it's hard, and I I get why you're like, yeah, I don't, because it's it's unfulfilling in some very base, you know, like primal literary way that you want. Okay. I want to punch that thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of that, but it's also a little bit of, um, the fact that she was just kind of introduced in the 11th hour as well. Right. After this long saga, um, I, gotta, I want to point yeah. out uh, this this comment in chat here to uh, Toy Christopher. Median is deeper than Xenos, though, because we know her motivations and her relationships uh, with her uh, with Hermes and her uh, mm-hmm. naivety. Imagine having a character introduced to the eleventh hour that, like, yep. we know better than the dude that's been around since four point oh. 
Yeah. I what? mean, we learn much more about her and see a wider range of context of scenes for her. That's the big thing for mm -hmm. me with Xenos. We have a lot of interactions with him. But what drives me nuts is I actually should do a full comparison at some point of his yeah. dialogue. Because while he does technically say different things every single time. It's, you're talking to a piece of is, cardboard. Well, it's the exact <laughs> same sentiment, right? So we're not seeing different facets. We're not seeing different reflections. We're not necessarily seeing moments of triumph, struggle, despair, um, a range of emotion. Um, towards the end here, I think we probably do get closest to some of the nuance mm -hmm. with him. Yeah. But again, it still felt like too little too late. And I even felt like they didn't push it as far as they could have even in these moments. Um, so he is very interesting. I mean, when you were talking earlier about the idea of a more, I guess, solidified villain, mm -hmm. it is something that, I mean, some people I'd always see in chat, like, oh, you just want yeah. things to be simpler then, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, there is something very much to be said about iconic tales mm -hmm. of heroes and villains. Mm -hmm. when we look at mythology, fairy tales, and we look at anything, right? There is a propensity for people to want to rally behind those kinds of narratives. Because if we do, like there is a satisfaction in that, yeah, right? We know of. what this bad thing is. We know what this thing is. And we are going to stand to our own guns and we are going to, you know, fight it in a way that is, again, yes, perhaps maybe simpler in a narrative, but in a way that is also deeply satisfying when we feel as though we have a grounding and morality of what is good and evil and the role that we play within it. Um, I completely understand why people like those narratives. And Fusion, I completely understand why this expansion won't resonate for everybody, including you. Um, personally, I do feel like with the narrative they chose to tell, Medion could not have been anything but this. Because to me, with this kind of nuance, with this kind of personal metaphorical struggle, um, <laughs> with this kind of abstract emotional landscape, I think if she had been very much evil, you, you mentioned, you know, those were choices that she made. She did do things that were not good. Um, and I honestly love that. I think that just because you are a victim doesn't mean you are absolved of your own actions. I think that just because you are a villain doesn't mean that you are without anything that might be relatable, empathizing, humanizing, right? It, it's We've seen, and I think a lot of this is also our current team. I, I think that is a lot of it. Ishikawa in particular seems very, very concerned with telling nuanced gray area stories. Mm -hmm. She does lean a bit. I mean, you see a lot of the heroic stuff, the empathetic twists mm -hmm. on many characters. But mm -hmm. I think for her, she, at least from what I get and from the direction the game is moving in, the idea of these purely po like polarizing stances of morality seem to be less something that they want to explore. And so for me in that regard, like there are times in our lives where we will all do something that might be bad, <laughs> like that might be evil evil in a sense, I guess, that might be malicious, you might say. It might be ill-intentioned. Um, and particularly when it comes to like these greater struggles, I will just say, of a mental health metaphor, mm -hmm. there are many times when we are self-destructive, where we break relationships, we destroy things around us, we isolate, we close off the walls, like you were saying, mm -hmm. right? Aldi, you know, so I agree with you in that sense that for this story, this character could not have been to tell the nuance that we're telling something that is like, ha ha ha, and I'm very evil and I killed everyone. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. because it's just something that I don't think would have done justice to the the emotional abstraction they were trying to communicate. Um, and the hope at the end of it all that we can all do these things. And at the end, 
we can still connect, we can still stand up again, we can still find hope. Our world can be something that is dark. Our world can be something that we don't know how to navigate or that mistakes are made in society, things like that. But Aldino, you know, like you said, um, oh, I loved that. The, the phrase you said, what was it? Um, in the context of Final Fantasy, we were made to do this, right? Mm -hmm. We were made to tear down these walls, but in a, in a greater sense, we are all made to continue the world we live in. We're born into a world and we have to live through it and we have to live through the future. And to say like, we need to tear down the walls that separate us. We need to learn more, empathize more, be more, feel more. I'm like, that is a really beautiful message, especially right now, given the complex mm -hmm. nature of our world. Um, so it's brave, it's difficult. I don't think it'll land for everyone, but I am really glad they told it, even if it's messy in parts. <laughs> yeah, you know? you know, this makes me think, and just a, a sorry to get back to Xenos, I'm sorry. Because we have to. It's right? going to happen. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But why doesn't anyone think of him as the antagonist? I don't know anyone in this world. I have not seen a hot take of Xenos as the bad guy of Endwalker. Why I was do you think afraid he was. I was afraid he was going to be. Yeah. Why do you I think, think that just, that's universally accepted? I, right? Because people. Well, because he doesn't do anything. <laughs> right. His own I mean, impetus. that was my initial thought. Yeah. Sure. And he's so otherwise insignificant to me that I feel nothing for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why I think it is. But again, this is just me projecting, mm -hmm. projecting myself onto it. And myself is coming from a place of being one of the people who was like, I don't want him here all the yeah. way to all, all the way through Shadowbringers, knowing he was going to be here and not wanting it and whining about it. Every podcast we did. Yeah. Um, so I can tell you what the turning point is for me and why I don't see him as the villain, because like I always feared he was going to be. And that was Fan Daniel's plan. Mm -hmm. Fan Daniel was mm -hmm. the one who convinced him, you can get your rematch with the Warrior of Light, the hero of this world, if you are a villain worthy of him, if you pose a threat worthy of him. So he spent all that time trying to fill us with hate and make him or make us see him as the big bad, the best villain that we should be going after to save the world, to fulfill our role, to be that hero. And I think around level 83, he realized... That's a stupid plan. That was a really stupid <laughs> right. plan. Why did I listen to that idiot? Like, I think he realizes that. And I think in that moment, he forsakes the role of villain. He refuses to bear it. And I think that's why I don't see him that way. Mm -hmm. Because that, that could be a good end. If somehow you coalesce all the, the rancor, all the bad feelings onto Xenos somehow. And there's no end singer, and there's just a big bad Xenos. You know what I mean? It's it's interesting interesting to me that they just let that lie fallow, right? That they just let it go. Mm -hmm. They just let it. Nah, no, that's not what we're gonna do. And it, it's it's also interesting to me that Fan Daniel, even though he does not care about the Asians, used their playbook in gassing up Xenos like a warrior of light to fight the things that they always do, right? It, it's it's that's the only move that they have. It's just funny to me. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I guess more Zeno. So, right, yeah. so the fight, so. the fight itself. <laughs> let's let's let's. Or do you let's, want to talk about the stuff before the fight? Let's let's talk let's, about the decision. Let's get the actual MSQ. Sure. With Zenos wrapped up, mm -hmm. and then we'll we'll go on our like five hour long sure. spiel about how he's like just the worst thing ever. Yeah, that's, that's what's mine. Mine's going to be about that. 
Yeah, totally. I've got lots and lots of feelings about the cutscene right before the fight, and I'm gonna go last. Yeah, because because okay. right. I feel okay. like I'm gonna be at odds with everybody again. <laughs> okay. I love okay. Let's, lemon... let's process it. Let's get it out of our system. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Lemon Drop says Rick is on an emotional roller coaster right now. Yes, I am. Welcome to Ed Walker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew. I mean, I have long said that this expansion had, I think, some of the highest highs I have ever had in an MMO expansion and some of the lowest lows. And that ultimately, to me, I came out of this having had such an unparalleled experience that I am like, this was worth all the lows. Mm -hmm. The greatest low for me was this. I like really, <laughs> mm -hmm. truly, honestly, and again, many people will not see it this way, but this did almost ruin the ending of the expansion mm. for me. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think it's for many reasons. I and mean, you've all heard me harp about Xenos for a while here. Um, I, I just, again, I felt like the dialogue that happens leading into this instance to me was the exact same stuff with like a tiny bit of different. There were like, I was sitting there going, please, please say anything in this moment that doesn't just feel like it's the same script you've regurgitated for three expansions. And there were a few lines. There were a few things. Um, I did end up picking the moment where you say, just because I think I was desperate <laughs> to feel the thing they seemed to want to make mm. me feel. So I did say to him, and because it fit with the particular character that I had, you know, when he says to you, like, tell me I'm the whole thing, like, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that you don't feel the same thing, the thing that I do, or like that you don't live for this as well. In a sense, I like this because it's kind of a cheeky meta thing in that when it comes down to it, to it we are playing a game. So do we as players all in some sense love the challenge? Do we love the play? Do we love being this character? Do we love being the hero? Do we love overcoming challenges? Do we love? Yes, we do, right? And so in that sense, when I answered back, like, yes, I do feel that, it did feel honest to me in that moment. And I kind of liked that introspection. But in every other regard, I was so angry that this is what we ended on. I, I mean, I won't lie. I just, even to this day, to me, it was one of the biggest missteps. It, it felt so bizarre. We just had this beautiful, nuanced, delicate, lovely, emotional moment talking about connection and forgiveness and hope with Medion. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, okay, and we're going to go back to the ship now. And Medion's like, I'm going to help you get back to the ship. And then suddenly it's like that bridge is nowhere and Xenos is there and he's like, Hey. It's it's <laughs> it's that like, same thing we talked about mm -hmm. earlier where you you send the scions away, it's you and the end singer, and then the narrative goes, Oh shit, but what about Xenos? It's that same thing where it's like, this was the end of the expansion. You cannot convince me that this was not the ending. And then they're like, Oh shit, yeah, but we still gotta deal with Xenos. And they just tack him on, and it's it takes away the ending. It ruins it ruins the ending of the expansion. Like there's not a doubt in my mind this kills it for me i just yeah. felt like it went back on every major theme they had literally just established you know like we revisit emmett selk and again like somebody that we considered a villain who we then learned to empathize with who we then discovered this pathway all these other things again these themes of reconciliation forgiveness and then we go straight back to xenos again and he's just like fight me for the thrill of battle and i was like no let's <laughs> go away <laughs> Like, how are you here? What are we standing on? Like, what? <laughs> I really, I, I love this conversation because I feel completely the opposite. So I, I know Moose, you're like, I want to be last. And I hope that I don't undermine 
anything that you oh, wanted to say. Because I've always, since the very beginning of these lore casts, been like, no, I, I do not, I disagree. It did not hit me that way. Okay. And I don't care about Xenos. I don't think he's pretty. I don't really I've, care that he had a big, juicy derriere for a long time. I don't care. There's <laughs> yeah. one There's one line right in the middle that I think is like, like I've got like a, a pre-idea and a post-idea, sure. and there's one like line right in the middle that I think sums up my point. And if you manage to preempt I don't me think on I that, will. it's yours. You deserve it. I, I don't <laughs> think I will. Because what I was going to talk about is just that this Xenos is proof, is the proof that you are trying, that you have learned from Meteon. You recoiled from her at the very beginning. We just said that. You You said no. Oh, that's weird. That's weird. I don't want to do that. Like, don't be in my brain. And you were a little bit weird. And you built that wall. Xenos, yes. I don't I I do not disagree that his writing is dumb. I wish that we had more, that we didn't have to look into this. But to me, his meaning for life is that thrill of battle. And we discount that. Because it's just a fight. Whatever. It's just a fight. It's a video game. It's just a fight. They just wanted to throw a fight in here. They just needed to put Xenos in. That's seeing the seams that may not be there. And once you do that, you color your expectations from that, that point on, and then that's it. Now, I'm not saying that he's a great character. He's a, he's a dumb character, 100%. But for me, it didn't ruin it because he's there. He, you have to deal with him. You have to. This is what it means to be who you are. You have to deal with all the issues that nobody else wants to deal with. You have to reach out to people you don't want to reach out to. Now, you don't have to say that I can't deny, right? If you did mm-hmm. not feel that with him, the thing that I wish is that they had given you an option to refuse him, and it actually maybe would have changed the fight in some way. Like, maybe it's different. Maybe you don't actually fight. Maybe you do something else. If they gave you that agency, that's the failure that I think. You do. You parlay with ending. him. Yes. I, mean, I think I honestly, that's the failure to me. I honestly think they could have sold this to me. Sure. I do. I do actually. And I liked your point about reaching out to somebody who you might not want to reach out to. Because again, I think that this moment once more hinges on the player in such a way that like how you receive this or not. And again, for anyone who loved this ending, please love it. Love it. But I think it hinges on how the rest of his narrative Mm -hmm. felt to you, how you resonated with him in a way that, as we pointed out, it's so directed in a sense that if you say, no, I do not want to engage with this, that is you exerting your will in this situation, your non-consent to this Mm -hmm. situation in many ways, right? And so if like they want this to be a moment of your own determination in Mm -hmm. certain ways, it's like, to me, if you are not sold on that and you refuse him, I really think you should be able to refuse him. Right. If you are sold on it and you want to, then you can engage with it. But the problem for me is that, like, it feels, I guess, like a step back because, in mm. a sense, yes, it could be us acknowledging the value that he sees in the world. And Aldino, I think you made a great point with that, in a sense. Um, and trying to say, like, hey, we are, I guess, a hero to everyone, in a sense. And even you, the worst of our world, mm. I will reach out to you and try to do this thing that gives you meaning. Or maybe you're like, I'm just so annoyed with you and I yeah. want to destroy you. So I'm going to do this, right? But for me, it again, it goes back on the emotional growth mm-hmm. we've had because if anything it's like i it just drives me nuts because like 
in some sense, right, it feels like we're going back three steps because we don't have an option in this situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is not another way to negotiate this. So what, we just fight to the death? What about our own feelings or consent mm -hmm. on this? Has Xenos learned nothing from this interaction? Has Xenos learned nothing from anything? What are the themes that we take away? That even somebody that we despise, that we might not even care about, we might not even have strong feelings about, somebody mm -hmm. that we need to reach out to, but what are we doing? We're reaching out to him in a destructive way. We're not referring him to the therapy he badly yeah. needs. We're right. not like trying to help him in a way that is actually good. I mean, like you can say that to him, this is something that is significant, but again, it's like, to me, it feels so bizarrely redundant and like it's backstepping and like it doesn't mm -hmm. really reflect the true emotional nuance and growth that we've had. And then when you pair that with the instance, which to me, I think it's fun that they do the kind of like, you know, super yeah, saiyan power up thing. But <laughs> if we are in a landscape, right, if we're going to really hold him up as a mirror to the warrior of light, as somebody who would have been us if we had instead caused mm -hmm. despair with the power we had, if, you know, if we had been alone and hadn't had people to support us, if we had been hurt and abused and had never recovered and shut ourselves off or whatever it was, right, then to me, you need to make this fight in some way more meaningful to me than what I experienced with Endsinger. And if you are doing this within an arena where the entire domain, the way that our skills manifest for all we know, the, the bodies we have even mm -hmm. could be affected by dynamis. Like that's the huge miss for me in this. Right. If they had even had a bunch of special actions for you where at different points, those actions reflected different emotions that you yourself as a player might be feeling that would then cause different effects with Xenos or that would, you know, if you were putting out a bunch of rage into the fight, the arena and the stuff around you literally would start to warp and reflect that kind of thing. If you were putting out, I don't know, if you were trying to heal him because you felt compassion, if you were trying to, like, I think there was a huge opportunity mm -hmm. in regards to emotional storytelling and agency for players in this and how they wanted to confront this I think I love that he's so divisive. I think it is a great moment where if you really, again, have set him up to be this bland thing yeah. in a sense that players can emotionally bounce off of in different ways, then let me do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think they did. And to yeah. me, that's why this fell so flat. I was like, I think it's cool that I'm punching someone. And I like when my <laughs> character gets hurt and people worry about them. <laughs> See, <laughs> do you remember the abilities that Xenos uses during the fight? No. I don't remember anything about the fight other than I, I couldn't wait for it to end so I could actually like move on with the rest of the ending. They're all primal abilities. Like he's cycling through elements and he's doing things that I'm like, why all of a sudden do you have the abilities that, that I do as a summoner? That that was a very weird moment for me, just personally in the fight. I just wanted to bring that up because of what he was hmm. doing, and then the then the then he does his power up, you know, and, and changes what he's doing. But it was very strange at that moment. It helped me feel that he was a mirror for me. Honestly, that helped me along. Okay, yeah, but I, it I, is weird. I don't know why he was doing that. Yeah, I I think for me, um, it's it's interesting, like. <laughs> I, I thought Zenos was a really interesting villain in Stormblood. Um, and, and then I, I hated Emmett Selk when Emmett Selk first appeared. But the difference, I think, is that with Emmett Selk, they 
spent a lot of time on his character, on his motivations. And then whereas with, with Xenos, Xenos kind of had the role of like 3.0, Asians, where he popped up every so often just so that you would remember that he was there, but they really didn't give you any information. And they I, used that to take it to the finish line and it just failed. I called him a wild card. Like I thought his main role in the story was to take the direction that they had accidentally put themselves on and no longer wanted to go in and shake it up. Like he was the mm -hmm. brute force that got them onto a new direction for the story. So I just called him a wild card for a bit. Okay. Mm. Moose, um, are you ready to unleash your Xenos? Yeah, Xenos my, my rant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was holding back because like I can feel that I can feel it already. This is gonna let's, be this is gonna be let's, long. Let's do this. This is gonna be a long rant. This is gonna be like Rook just had a new feeling rant. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no! no! Oh my god! You can't personally and accurately call me out like this. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that. Like, I, I, one of the people who love this ending or his part in this story. I'm not like I'm not here to celebrate that in a way, but I am here to compromise with him. I'm here to compromise with Ishikawa because like I was such a buzzkill and, and, and so negative about him from 5.0 to 6.0 that I feel like I owe it to her to see this in as positive a light as I, as I can, because I feared so much worse. I expected so much worse. I was done with him. Like I was afraid he was going to take up all the oxygen. He was going to make this about him the final chapter of the story that's going to be a reflection on life and what it means to be a hero and have hope. It's all going to come down to one selfish douchebag who wants to fight one other guy and the whole world, like what's, what's the reflection there? The whole world is going to be like, who oh, he wants to fight the guy who is nice to me. Like I was terrified of this. My one goal was to deny him his rematch. That was it. And when we got here, what did he do? Nothing. He did nothing I feared. He realized Fan Daniel's plan to make him a villain worthy of us was dumb. He stood out of the way while we did what we wanted to do. He didn't cut Median in half. Like, he didn't do anything I feared. So I felt like I had, I, I owed it to them to try to see him in a light where I'm accepting the things that he did. Okay. So that's like kind of like the build up to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, and the way I was able to glue this together and see it in a positive way was I combine or I, I kind of put his Stormblood speech and his Endwalker speech next to each other because it's easy to mistake them for similar, but I'm going to like read them real quick. So Stormblood. He says, men should fight for the joy of it, to live, to eat, to breed. Lesser beasts snap and howl at one another for this. Only man has the wisdom and the clarity to embrace violence for its own sake. For we who are born into this merciless, meaningless world, we have but one candle of life to burn, and I know you understand this. So in that one, it's a disdain for life. You're fighting and killing for the joy of it to spite being alive. It's the only thing you have is to be an animal. And in the second time he comes to us, I feel like he's put in a lot of effort Maybe even because of what Alize said, but you know, Alize said that to him after he'd already been changing some of his behaviors. I feel like this is totally different. What he says here, as surely as you know the thrill of pushing, um, oh yeah, 
As surely as you know the thrill of pushing your body and soul to their limits, of confronting ever mightier foes, dancing ever closer to the precipice, wondering if this will be the one to finally, finally fill the void. Such pleasures you seek for their own sake and for no other reason, is this not so? And that, I think, is more of a celebration of life and the thrills it has to offer as you try to make meaning of it. And I feel like for the first time, he's not demanding we give him what he wants. In my opinion, he's framing it as that he needs this. Like the rest of the world, for him, you represent hope. And you may have saved the world, but you haven't saved him. And he's encouraging you to take the mantle of light or take the mantle of the warrior of light and put it down. But you can't until you put him, your mirror, down. And I feel like he's offering you something instead of demanding something. He's offering you the connection, the acceptance to be who you really are, not the warrior of light, someone who wants a challenge, your bliss in exchange for his bliss, living in that one moment of joy before you put him down. And that's when I thought, to hell with it. Like, he's not threatening anyone. He's not ruining anything. He let the real story end. He sat over there and did nothing, and he let it end. And now no one's ever going to know, and he's standing here being like, I want to be your optional boss, DLC. And I'm like, fuck it, I've lost the bet. Damn it, I'll take the fight. Go. And I hit the top option, and I'm just, I've made my peace with it. <laughs> All right, Moose, I have to say. I still hate everything about this mm -hmm. ending. And I still think that the final instance was criminally underused. Mm -hmm. But if there's going to be a take that I like, it's your take. <laughs> I, yeah, no. If it's acceptable, think, if it's acceptable, if it's acceptable point of view, I'll take it. But no, it I do. Acceptable. I think you're right. They could have done a lot with oh, the dynamis yeah. in that final, in that final battle. They could have done a lot more with that field. But I mean, I think you make a lot of really good points there. I think that your comparison between those, I mean, again, I still feel like there's some room to interpret it in the sense of like, like you, I mean, like we pointed out how he views these things and combat and stuff like that. Is he still technically harping on kind of the same thing? Yes. But I agree with you in that very clearly in that second one, he is almost trying to use it as a way to connect with you. Um, and that is a good point I had not considered. I had also not considered that his first speech about how everybody lives and fights and breeds as animals is also maybe a bit of a sad commentary on how much his dad liked breeding right. dogs more than <laughs> <laughs> his son. Um, but I have to say, I think if there is a solid take on this, if there is a way that I think text-wise is the most clearly supported beyond us just jumping a bunch of gaps that we're filling mm -hmm. in, I think that would be it. There you go, Ishikawa. We're even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I love this conversation. Like I like I always say, I don't care about Xenos. It didn't ruin the ending for me. It doesn't. He doesn't even matter, honestly. But the the themes and the questions and the interrogation about it, it's just so much fun. Like it <laughs> it, it just really is. I I forgot to tag something on there. Oh yeah. And yeah, if if he's not dead, like if he comes oh. back, I take all that back. Don't oh, yeah. no. I take it all yeah, back. Yeah, we got to talk so about that. So it's conditional. If we have to. If... Yeah, you go ahead. But it was mentioned, right? Like they were being cheeky about it. Is he dead? Is he not? I never want to see him ever again in Final Fantasy mm. 14, unless it is like the final expansion. And we are in the final instance, and they bring back every villain from the entire <laughs> game in some kind of fight. 
I never want to see him again. I mean, of course, with the caveat that, like, if they really went whole ham on really fleshing out his character and really giving me a reason to care about him, I'm good. I'm done. I think this game has grown beyond him. Mm -hmm. I think we have so many fantastic characters. We have so many things still to see, to do. I would just rather give us fresh stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with him anymore. Um, I saw Chad even asking this question, and this will be a question for everybody. Um, Xenos, I hope, is dead forever. Mm. Medion, there's some debate as to whether sure. or not she really did disseminate herself and use that energy to, you know, replenish the life cycles and, you know, life streams on other planets. Uh, whether or not the existence of the bird minion also equates to her still being alive in some way, shape, or mm. form. I very much read this ending in that she gave up all that she had left to replenish the universe. Um, but I know, like, in the exact same breath, a lot of people I know really, truly read it as she is still there. She is still alive. And I mean, you, you see the, the you see the a blue bird flying around, right? Mm -hmm. And I and I think mm -hmm. for me, when I think of Endwalker, right, the idea of ending the Heidel, the Heidelin and Zodiac saga, um, Heidelin needs to be gone. Zodiac needs to be gone. All major players need to be gone. That includes Xenos. That includes Medion. Do not bring any of them back ever. Except for my boyfriends and girlfriend. Well, we'll see. So, so this is where, right? I mean, you can feelings about certain characters aside, right? Um, the idea that they're so cheeky about Xenos's death, like, mm -hmm. I mean, right? And we've had this before. Uh, you know, I, I think specifically back to like uh, Diabolos, right? Yep. Where we fight him in that dungeon, and he just turns into bats and flies away. It's like we didn't see him die with Xenos. We didn't see him like dissipate into the aether or anything. His body's still there. I, just fucking no, please, for the love of God, <laughs> do not bring him back. This is he is the narrative equivalent of making new races that can't wear headgear. Like it is such <laughs> a, a stupid ass decision that that how they handled this character. He was cool, and then he died. He's like the only thing that could like defeat us during Stormblood, and then he kills himself. What? Oh, but then he comes back and he just says the same thing every single time he shows up. He's just this weird stalker dude. He doesn't have any kind of big like narrative, like deep dive like we got with Emmett Selk in in Shadowbringers that made him go from like uh, like I, I said before when when we had Emmett Selk introduced, mm -hmm. I hated Arden in 15. I don't like him in 14 either. But they made Emmett yeah. Selk one of like the coolest villains. On the other side, they had Xenos, who was pretty cool in Stormblood, and then they just made him the stupidest shit ever. And I, I, I do not care for this character at all. I hate how they handled him. I hate how he felt tacked on at the end of Endwalker, and he did ruin the ending of that expansion. The expansion ended. You had the end theme with Medion. You were done. And then he's like, by the way, I'm still here. And it's just like, why? <laughs> I, I totally get that, read, And it's... The only way that I can see him returning is not him, his origin being talked about. Not him. No, he's gone. He's he's gone forever. But why? Why was he? That's him. That was why the other. Did it work? The other thing I wanted to mention too is um, there was the the round of interviews post Endwalker mm -hmm. where uh, people asked about um, uh, Xenos and, and his like his avatar for Reaper and stuff and like where mm -hmm. that came from and, and you know she's like oh i know but i can't tell you now yeah. i don't give a shit i don't want to see anything referencing this guy ever again i really don't like it's it's a shame that 
I mean, like, look, people are going to like who they like. I get it, right? Some people love Xenos. I can't stand him. I don't understand what people see in him. And I never want to see him or any story elements revolving around him again. I mean, Fusion, it's funny. I do feel very strongly about him as well. And what's frustrating to me is that I just think if they'd even given me a little bit more in the actual writing, um, I mean, again, I think there are good ways to interpret him. I think, and again, there is nothing wrong with anybody who loves him and the role he played. I think there's a lot you can read into him and you can draw from him. And um, there are moments where he's really great, but you know, there's a whole thing about the void scent and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard for me because I find myself going like, you've got to give us something with this character at some point like we you know we had um you know even nods to a ton of the other short stories that literally showed up in the script and in the action in this expansion we spent all this time in these zones we even went back to garlemald for the that weird little and then we brought all of the vulnerable refugees here Mm -hmm. and yet again we didn't get anything meaningful about him you get alice sassing him but you know i have long said i think it would have been so cool if like after the body switch thing or something um they had just picked you up again and just taken you and then you'd had to have like roamed your way through what was left of the you know imperial uh palace and like there you could have had even echo moments or something connecting you or tying you to him seeing the past he suffered learning something about what happened in the palace, like learning something about what would have driven all of this to, again, give you more stakes and connection with him as a character if mm-hmm. you're not somebody that inherently well, that's, feels that's that That's the thing. There, there were and, no stakes. Yes. And like one huge gaping thing for me, this expansion, is the fact that we know nothing about that Reaper avatar. And I get if they're trying to like, I guess, save it for a future expansion or something. But we had a lot of padding time in this expansion. This is one of the longest narratives they ever told. And there were some areas that were cute, fun little breathers, but where I'm like, you could have cut two hours from this and used those two hours to give us literally anything tangible about why he's a Reaper, how he became a Reaper. I mean, even in that final fight, um, just the way it is without any other considerations. I mean, when he phased into his sort of void, void scent possessed form, I had no understanding or connection why that mattered. You know, Mm -hmm. if they had given me even some kind of context about the void scent that's Mm -hmm. in him and how that would reflect major themes in the game. I mean, it's just like, to me, it's something where it feels like a huge miss and it creates this opportunity where you are going to lose a bunch of your, like a bunch of your players, not lose them from the game, but Mm -hmm. they will slip between your fingers in the narrative you're telling because you just haven't quite given them enough concrete things to, again, continue to have a throughput with this character unless they are already invested in them. So it's like, yeah, you're going to bring, as we are talking about right now, you're going to bring the community into this place where some people want to see him again just to know why. Some people want to see him again because they like him. Some people never want to hear his name ever again. And you can't reconcile it. That's You can't reconcile that. When you bring him back up, some people are going to be upset some people are going to be overjoyed. I, I, yeah. And that's, you know, and that's. I, okay. I think for me, you know, it, it's. He's a Reaper because he chose a scythe. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's there's got to be more to that, right? And oh, yes, yeah. it is a little bit interesting. But I think for me, in the in, in the overall, like, concept of Endwalker, this is the end of, of, uh, of a 10 year story, right? Mm-hmm. Which he was a part of. Um, 
they had so much time to make me give a shit and they didn't. So like, yeah. I don't want them to like, after the fact, like, cause, cause he's dead. Like they're not bringing him back. You don't bring a character back from the dead again. Like that's just, that, that feels incredibly lazy and stupid and no, <laughs> like, I don't want to like, I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to be real nice here and not just say like that. This is like the worst writing in a video game ever. No, cause Ishikawa is awesome. Like she's really cool, but like they could have, they, it feels like they didn't try with Xenos and that having been said, yes, the, the, the moose interpretation of that ending, I think that's as good as Xenos can get. But for my, my, my take on it, it's like they brought him back and they didn't know what the fuck they were going to do with him. And they did nothing with him. And then they tacked him in on the end and ruined what could have been a better ending for an expansion. I feel like this is a, I feel like this is a fusion theory, but like, what if, (laughs) what if, um, like the whole void scent merging with you is like a job mechanic and they were fleshing out the job mechanics alongside the story mechanics and like they realized that that was going to be part of the job, and they were like, "Oh shit, we just made Xenos a Reaper. We have to have this be part of his part of his Could job be. now. Mm-hmm. So we have to we have to figure out how we're gonna." Like, so like, like maybe that was tacked on because it was just part of the, the could game be. mechanics. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like all the other stuff I wanted to reply they, they've, to. They've we definitely been here, like, been better about um, using that kind of the. Um, the imagery of like the jobs and stuff. Like mm-hmm. remember when like the, uh, the end of an era trailer came out and they were sure. like using job abilities and stuff. Like it makes yeah. sense, but like narratively just like, all right, like whatever. But I think too, for some people like me, like, I just, I don't care. Like he's a, oh, he's a reaper. He has a, whatever. Is he still, is he gone yet? <laughs> like, I think we're touching on one of the things that I realized throughout, um, Shadowbringers and especially Endwalker is like, how do you have a game that's deep and rich and also has broad appeal? Like you're not you're not targeting the lowest common denominator. You're mm-hmm. trying to be meaningful. How do you mm-hmm. do that and still have very broad appeal? By embracing that you're going to disappoint people sometimes. And it's sure. going to be different different people in a rotation. Sometimes it's me and the product mm-hmm. is better for my disappointment in it sometimes. I, I'm just ready to accept that. Um, yeah. And I think Xenos triggers everyone else's disappointment mm-hmm. in a weird, weird rotation where everyone is a little disappointed in him somehow. But like, I kind of, I'm impressed by the lack of meaning. Like they didn't think yeah. to go back on, they didn't think to go back and explain a lot of him. And I think part of the, the comedy of that is that his whole character is that he is trying to find his own meaning in life. So if you don't like the meaning he's made of it, tough shit. Like it might not be a good enough reason for you, but it's not your call. What he means. Exactly. I think there's a certain comedic irony there. Um, That's not, I hope he's dead. (laughs) He almost cut off his own head and he still came back. So to not show him dissolve into mist at the end of it, it was a choice. They made a choice. Yeah. So I think, I think it's a Schrodinger situation. I think they're flirting with him being dead, but they're not ready to commit yet. Mm -hmm. They're not ready to marry the idea. But my opinion is if like death can't be cheap. So if you're going to violate the rule that death can't be cheap, you have to pay the tax. And in Xenos's case, the tax is too damn high. Like Mm -hmm. they paid the, they paid, I would argue that they paid the tax well enough to get Emmett and, and Hithlidaeus into this 
expansion, right. even after his climactic death. They paid a pretty big tax to get him here, and I think it's enough. Medion, I see Medion a, li a little like I saw Omega at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, exactly. That the idea of Medion is still out there, something of Medion is still out there, but it's like born again. And I didn't like I saw Omega like that as kind of like a headcanon. I didn't expect the short story to be like, yeah, right. he's totally he's totally an <laughs> OMG. Like, so I see Medion as like an OMG situation. And yeah. I'm with you guys. I think an ending is an ending and death can't be cheap and they should never come back. This is over. They the tax is too high for all of them, except I will say, as Rook said, if this goes full flying space clock JRPG ending again and everything makes a comeback. I think we have excuses between Heidelin's blessing still being on us, still carrying the Azem stone, the flying away of the bluebird. We could use Dynamis to bring a shade of Xenos mm -hmm. forward because we're it's at true. our end. We're backed into a corner and we're thinking this is what it must have been like for him. And even he comes forward to help us as a shade somehow or as Void Scent does. Fine, fine. But unless we're doing that, unless we're going full cliche anime bullshit, Final Fantasy JRPG ending again. Dead. Everybody dead. Stay dead. I thought for a second you were going to say, I'm with Rook and Rook's boyfriend and girlfriend. Come back. Come back. <laughs> yeah, I knew that's what you were thinking. But it's fine. No, I, I loved what you said anyway, Moose. It was good. Yeah. I, you know, as someone who I literally don't have a problem with Xenos, I think he is just life sucks sometimes and, and get over it. And yeah, we could have done this better. And they probably wanted to, but they didn't. And they just left it there as a raw end. Maybe. Who knows? But yeah, I don't think he can come back. I think that we can get the answers to the Void sent very easily. Just go to the Void, right? It, it, I'm, I'm telling you. They've been laying the groundwork for that for, for a while already. Yeah, and you know what I think? He's got Traveler as his middle name all of a sudden once he has a Void sent. I'm just saying, right? Just saying. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I wanted to touch on this earlier, and I, I we've been talking about Xenos yeah. from a lot of different angles, um, but that idea of when he shows up and the options that were given, right? Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily have one that you feel like would be your choice. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm glad for that because it doesn't leave oh. a question of sure. canon, right? I've, what I've talked happened. about this before, right? Yeah. Of what actually happened. Yeah, they, they're, they're still flirting with the idea of is he dead or is he not? Um but but not having that option of like well for some players he is and some players he's mm -hmm. not. I appreciate that that's not there. Um, but at the end of the day, right? They're going to tell the narrative that they want to tell. Um, you know, it's 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 the. And I, hopefully, I'm not going to push any buttons with Rook here. It's that that Mass Effect three thing, right? Where it's like, yes, okay, they're going to tell the narrative they want to tell, whether we agree with it or not. That's it up to everybody individually. <laughs> right. Yeah, and we should and all see, and see, this is this is my take on Xenos, right? It's that idea, it's it's that idea of like some people love Xenos and it's like, yeah, we fought him and it was great. And I'm just like, I just don't fucking care. Yeah, but that's the story they wanted to. Yeah, but it was a stupid decision. <laughs> it's that same <laughs> parallel, right? It's 
it's what they're telling us through this game. Everyone's answer is different, right? Every single yep. person's answer is different. Xenos even asks, if my motive met with your approval, would you be okay with what's happening? I don't yeah, even mean probably. with the approval of your existence. Like, just go away. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I know that, yeah, some people are going to like it, but I just don't think it does. I just don't think it, it matters at all. <laughs> like, because mm-hmm. it's not big enough to literally you're, destroy you're, it. You're right. Xenos doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, and I mean, the thing that's important to remember as well, right, is that I honestly, like I said, I think much like the ancients or in any other civilization, debate is a f- super fun, mm-hmm. fantastic, great thing. I love critique so much online. Uh, we see a lot of the polarizing elements of that where like, right. if you don't agree with me, then we can't affiliate with each other. Whereas I a lot of times have said, like, please don't agree with me. And let's like really compellingly argue our points. Like, let's recognize that two opinions or more opinions can exist in the same space. Let's realize that media is something that we experience as individuals. So of course there are gonna be things that resonate or don't resonate. There are gonna be things we love, we hate. Um, And in that regard, I think Endwalker has really fostered some of the most conversations I have ever seen about the interpretations, (laughs) uh, moralities, like, it is something that I love to see and I love getting worked up about it. I love like having us all, you know, share our thoughts and feelings and chat, everybody else or any of you who leave comments on the videos. I mean, honestly, I think it's something where all of these opinions can and do exist in the same space. And ultimately we play the games because we love them and there are many, many things that we enjoy about them, whatever we think. Um, and I'm glad they went this direction because I think there is something to be said about Again, I guess I, I guess watering things down to fit into more of a specific kind of traditional fantasy medium where it's the same kind of story over and over and over. Whereas pushing it in this way, like Moose was talking about earlier, growing and developing what you're doing, of course, there are still going to be things that have to appeal to a wide audience. So certain things will not be made for you. And that's mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> like, yeah. it will appeal to somebody else that it resonates for. So, I mean, all of that to be said, we have gotten very worked up about Xenos, which I knew would happen. Mm-hmm. But for real, though, all fuck of that these guy. opinions, they can exist. Don't listen to Fusion. <laughs> they can all exist. They can all exist. And I think they should because yeah. um, we share this space. And I am glad to see the talk. I think that it is, it is fun to engage with. And I like ha- coming away from it with a different take. Like, I will be thinking about what you said about that scene, Moose, for the next two weeks at least. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you're here, Moose, because I was just going to be the devil's advocate. Because from the very I have to be my own advocate. Yeah, <laughs> from the very beginning, Zen Fusion and Rook, I think you all were the same, you know, in this. And yeah, it, it's just it, it is amazing to me that they can get this sort of response. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of other games that wish they could. That's where I'm going to leave yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, like, yeah. like we've said before, talking about all the patches and, yeah. you know, over the last couple of years, how they've kind of broken up that, that, you know, two dungeons and a trial and mm-hmm. right. They've started, they've experimented more. Um, and they've done that narratively too. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it, you know, everyone's going to, is going to have their own take on it. And yeah, it's, it's such an important thing. I think to understand that everybody's going to have their own interpretation and that's fine. Right. I want to I want to stress that, especially with some of the things I've said today. If you like Xenos, that's fine. I can't stand the man. But if if Xenos is your thing, go for it. Like, whatever. I just not my not my thing. And that's fine, too. There is a final beat that we haven't discussed at all, which is the return of the teleporter. 
that sure. comes back oh. down. This has also been very divisive. And Aldino, mm-hmm. I actually, I love a lot of what you've been saying about what they kind of meant for us to come away from, that there might have been an intent for there to be a lot of contradictory, conflicting, and, you know, <laughs> passionate responses to many things. <laughs> there is an ambiguity with this character. Yes. Um, so the teleporter that falls back down at the end, we don't know what has affected it. There is a line afterwards that is like a follow-up bonus dialogue after you talk to mm-hmm. Rihanna. They really buried this in there. Like yeah, really I, a lot of people missed this. Where they say, and it's again, even that is pretty vague, but they do say, and in the moment I very much interpreted it this way, but I think everybody will have a different read again. But like this line about like, the, you were the only two there and it seems unlikely because you were unconscious. So it must have been someone else that mm-hmm. was there with you that used the power of emotion to will it to you theoretically either creating a situation in which our will to survive was so great that we summoned it somehow or that you know xenos himself maybe in an act of altruism mm-hmm. for the first time in his life believed that between the two of you you should have been the one to continue on or that you know you had given him satisfaction in his life and for that he wanted you to continue existing in the world and sent it down to you. Uh, what does everybody else's read on this? I mean, it, it the way they explain it, does it make sense that it could have been <laughs> Xenos? Yes. Do I hate that? Yes. <laughs> it's it's yeah. like it's like they're trying to be like, in the end, he did something nice for you. And it's just like, all right. Yeah. I would there's a real so many ways to read why he would do that if it is true why would he do it anything from true altruism to a mistake summoning the stay puff marshmallow man you know what i mean like <laughs> it could be it could literally be that it was like okay live on and the teleporter showed up there was no it, it literally was just the will and dynamus See, made it he, happen. he's he's still learning know. how to use dynamus he's like i want to live on i want to get out of here and then the teleporter drops but he's like no shit i wanted that over here <laughs> I just said, there's so many shades in between of not straight up altruism not oh he changed because he died to this was a means to an end that makes sense at least narratively with his with his character and then there's some people out there who are like it was Ardbird, and i'm like Ah, oh, I didn't want to think about that. I don't think that that's putting it. That I mean, seems like anything works, but it's like that just made me go. Oh, I don't want to think about that. I prefer that over the alternative, though. Sure. <laughs> I just wanted to give you an out. <laughs> it was that. It was that. That one. Uh, that one random carbuncle that's just sure. been roaming around. That's... I mean, because people, people say, okay, well, what happened with Seto? Arbert's gone. You merge together. How could you manifest it if there wasn't some will? And I'm like, I don't even want to go into that, but I'm just saying, like, this is so ambiguous. This is one of those things that they definitely left on. There's no way that they didn't leave this on purpose. I don't know. I I feel like this is another one of those things, right, where they're not going to give us a definitive answer Mm -hmm. until if they so choose to bring that card back yes. where they bring Xenos back. I just decided not to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, th- I'm like, like you said, un- until they choose to make it mean something, 
I'm choosing to see it like at the beginning of the game where they, they tell you that you're an adventurer from outside of Eorzea coming to it for the first time. You're a foreigner. You're going to join Eorzea and you can just be like, nah. Like, I think it's one of those things mm-hmm. where, yes, there is that possibility. Like Zeno said he wanted you to go home. They wanted you to put down the mantle of the warrior of light. You did give him what he wanted. And like he did have that like weird post nut clarity moment where he's like, well, that was disappointing. But like also... <laughs> He, maybe oh, he was here just my casually, God. casually. He did just have that post not clarity moment where you know. <laughs> oh please, like all the stuff we've talked about today, that's going to be the thing that that breaks it. All the all the <laughs> yeah. toilet talk and the Power mm-hmm. Rangers and the, yeah, I, yes. yeah, no, it's that is going problem. to be the one. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting it. I just wasn't <gasps> expecting it. <laughs> Thank you, Elton. <laughs> But yeah, maybe maybe it was. Maybe Xenos was grateful and he wanted you to go home and it was Xenos. Maybe yeah. that that was the that maybe that was the emotion in the dynamis. Or maybe if you don't want to accept that, there's room to think maybe it was Medion trying to affect yeah. things towards life, trying to right the wrongs that she's done. And this was the first little atonement of Medion's emotion or maybe it was you yourself like just because you're unconscious doesn't mean you don't have thoughts and feelings it wouldn't be the mm-hmm. first time that you like snapped out of a uh, out of a mo- are you guys over there still laughing at post not clarity no well <laughs> yes well, but i'm also because... laughing at lemon in the chat saying ever everything since stormblood xeno's edgy <laughs> very obvious and then i said oh. oh my god you're right and then lemon said i'm sorry slash you're welcome which is a really <laughs> correct great correct yes yeah. i love oh this my podcast god <laughs> so yeah i just i decided that like it it there's an implication that it's xenos but there's yeah. room to say it was medium there's room to say it was you and i think they're giving you yeah. the freedom to choose and i'm choosing not to choose i'm choosing to not know i'm choosing to let it be a mystery until such a time that they choose to answer it for me mm. Oh did my we, god, have we done it? Did, did we, we do, do it? it? How do we feel? Do we feel like we need to say anything more about Xenos? Because I'm I think no. I think I'm good. I still dislike Xenos. Yeah. I think I'm good now. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. I think I think that's that. He sucks. Nope, sorry, I had one more. <laughs> <laughs> I just I can't wait for like the surprise, <sighs> just like we're getting 6.1 of, you know, like the Omicron slash Omega side story. Can't wait for the surprise Xeno side story. Can you please stream it when you play through it, Fusion? Don't say that. That's cursed. Don't say that. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the Omicron and only yeah. the Omicron <laughs> I want to see it. I mean, look, look out of out of out of the, the the one comment that I got on my YouTube upload of me playing, it was this was worth it just to see Fusion's reaction to Xenos. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that's my brand now on YouTube. It's just reacting to Xenos. <laughs> oh man we we did it we did it guys good job proud of proud of all of you Woo! <sighs> so the science disband i mean Shadowbringers was more enjoyable for me but <laughs> and walker was all right um so yeah after all of this happens um, we come back, we, uh, we, we take the Ragnarok, we, we landed in the water. Hopefully that's okay. Hopefully that's not going to ruin anything. Mm. Uh, we learn that the Scions are dis- 
expanding question mm-hmm. mark? Sure, totally for real, kind of. Sort of. I got the sense that this was like a we are disbanding and then in 10 years at the end of the next story arc we will all come together to face the yes. final moment and we will emotionally gut you. It's the MCU model. They're in, the Avengers. In, t- in exactly ten, t- 10 years they'll do the, the Scions reunion HBO Max special. I think <laughs> well, it's a transformation. All... Yeah. yeah. I think I think it's there's going to be a rebranding and our B team is still going to be around and we're still going to have allies. And I think like, I think it's just like when we declared the seventh astral era, that there's like a politically minded rebranding mm-hmm. going on there, yeah. but that it's going to be a slightly different organization with different rules, different participants, different everything. You know, it's yeah. not going to be the scions anymore. It's going to be something else. I also felt this as them saying, don't expect all the scions in every expansion from now on. Now we're mm-hmm. going to go, Adventure Urianger and then Thancred or something, right? And then maybe other people will be in other places, maybe. Do you remember um, when when we went out to start Alexander and it was just kind of Sidney Schuller just kind of mm-hmm. there? I think that's how the Scions should be coming up from now on. That it's just like, oh, hey, what's going on in a small part of the story arc? They're just, you know, happy to see mm-hmm. you help out a little bit and they go away again. You, you, do, want... you do like two quests with them and then move on or something. Yeah, like just not ignore that they're there, but you know, they're retired more or less. They're doing their own thing. And I really want to spend the time that we spent. Because do you remember like when we came into 3.0, we were like, we know nothing about these allies. I really want to spend more time with these Mm -hmm. allies. I feel like we've come full circle from there. And I'm ready to like, ready to let them go live their own lives. And I want to do like where we were in 3.0, I'm there with the B team now. I want Hori and Ochre Boulder. I want Colton. Mm-hmm. I want all of them on my team. I want to learn more about them and have those same experiences with them in our new our new journey. Do you right. think you'll you'll get that with with those characters, or do you think they'll have new characters? Because with the the idea of adding new characters after having the you know the science for so long is okay. We get like a new female black mage. Oh, she's just the new Yastola. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's I think Cable. there's. I'm worried that there's always going to be this need to like let the, compare. Let the let the scions disband, start our new organization, whatever it means, and have the like the B team become our A team. You know, JV's becoming varsity, mm. and then <laughs> the new characters can join that new organization. We can have a little bit of each. Right, we and, can all be yeah. students of Beldesian. You know, let's work with Kryl for an expansion or two. I would love that. Yeah. I would love, I mean, we do know that Kral is going to be a featured character mm-hmm. coming up. I think we can assume that Grahatia as well, given his like recent elevation to importance and his desire to travel with us. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I would love to see them kind of show up around the world doing their thing. I even love that, you know, post all of this in the expansion, you can find them in various areas mm-hmm. around the maps that they've yeah. said that they will be, which is great. And I'd love to see stuff like that where, again, I mean... I love these characters and of course we all don't want to like stop taking a journey with them because we've spent so much time with them. But I also am really excited for just the the curiosity of like meeting new people, not knowing exactly who's going to be one of our major players. If we do go out and start to truly live up to being the traveler in some of the things that we have coming up, if we really are trying to just see, learn more, Um, I mean, the possibilities of new characters they can design from scratch and that we can meet and get to know and form these bonds with and then even see how, like, when we bring them back, how they interact with the others. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that could be something that would be really fun and would also play into this 
idea of like a fresh start, a new day. And of course, from a marketing standpoint and other things like that, they aren't going to get rid of all these other characters. Um, I'm sure they will still be playing large roles. Yeah. And you don't understand. Yashola is in Dissidia. Yes, like we will see them as part of the facets of different stories. I have no doubt that they will be yeah. like part of our ensemble for various things. Um, but I would love the opportunity just to keep expanding the world. If they elevate some of those B-team characters, give them a glow up. Yes, I'm so down for it. Um, if they want to do something else where we get completely new characters, I think that would also be really fun. They're just, I, I really think they're taking the, the blueprint of the other transmedia 10-year story, which is Avengers. It's, I really mm. feel like it's similar. If we're going to have their solo movies, then yeah. we're going to have the big world-ending threat that we need all of the Avengers for. And I'm down for that. I am so ready for that, honestly. It's, it's funny too. that you mentioned that, because I remember <laughs> when we reviewed Shadowbringers, because yeah. um, this was right around the time Infinity War came out, I was yeah. like, oh, this is totally like Infinity War. And yep. then as I was we were doing our review for Endwalker, I'm like, it is, because like that was part one of the ending but ultimately I liked the first part more than the act, like the second one. It's like the yeah. same thing. Fusion, I just realized, and this is a complete tangent, but that um, you still I haven't seen civil quickly, war. I saw civil war. <laughs> wow. What? That response. I without me. It. I'm sorry. Oh, the Uno reverse card. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I was here for that. I'll watch it again with you. <laughs> A friend showed it to me. I did it. I wow. finally watched it. So here, wow. this day on this podcast, wow. Fusion can never sass me ever again. Wow. Here publicly for not having seen Civil War because I have seen it now. So thank you. But everyone. have you seen Infinity War and Endgame? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. There we right. go. The only one I haven't seen now is Hawkeye, the TV show they just released. You, I'm you've seen, on you've seen everything one. else. I've seen everything else, Fusion. Thank you. <laughs> but Proud yes, you. I think they are going to need to see something like we're seeing a turnover, new faces. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's just it's just a nice way as well to kind of, again, you need enough here that like Yoshida-san's concerns, you know, people are going to think that it's all over from here on out mm -hmm. or something, right? Mm -hmm. You need enough that I think still does tie you to everything else and makes people feel like, this is a continuation of the world we love and things like that. But you also need fresh new ideas. So I feel like they've yeah. left themselves a lot of room to do that and to start telling another story that will suck us in and like get us really excited about it. And that they can, you know, even in a sense, I think, plan more long term coherently than a lot of what they've done in the last 10 years. I mean, they've done an incredible job with the narrative of this game. But like coming off of that 1.0 to 2.0 and everything else, there's been so much that they've had to juggle as they've also figured out what, how they want to tell stories and what they want to do and how they want to grow the game and what works or doesn't work for them. That I think this next arc is going to be something um, I'm really excited to experience, honestly, because I think yeah. they're going to be able to have more throughput and a better idea of what they excel at and their strengths are as they go into it. Yeah, and I, I think the, the the interesting aspect of it for me is, I mean, we we don't know. I mean, it 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 has been asked, I think, how long this next arc is going to be. Um, and I don't think they've said, but they know, they know exactly how long it is because this is another ten years, right? Right. Well, they, they've they've kind of vaguely said like they're looking forward to the next ten years of Final Fantasy fourteen. Oh, okay. 
But I, I think, you know, with with 1.0 and how that went, right, and then 2.0, they're like, maybe, hopefully, we can just kind of keep going. And eventually, they're like, okay, we need to, like, kind of make this a cohesive story and make it kind of weave together. I think now that they've got this this big one out of the way, I think they can say, okay, we know that the game is X revenue now. We know, like, it's popular now. We know people are playing it now, whereas... 1.0, 2.0, they really weren't sure how this was going to go. So I think they have a better idea of um, the amount of time they have available for them, and then that they can decide to to tell a story a certain like a, a, of a certain length that way. I mm-hmm. think um, you know we talked we we there was a mention earlier about how um, people felt more uh, like connected with like Medion and stuff versus like Xenos, even though we only technically knew her for a shorter amount of time. But the way that they were able to do that narrative is what helped back that up. So I think we can get you know maybe we get some shorter stories, maybe we get a longer form story again. I you know it's it's hard to say, but I think. Um, I think narratively, I think, you know, even if it isn't this big 10 year arc, I think they can absolutely still do, you know, even, even like a one expansion per arc kind of thing. I think they could do some really good stuff. I, I feel like I spend every podcast saying this, but I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Like, um, I think they're sitting down right now and saying like, we did it. We made it to the end of this 10 years. And that required like a lot of, pivoting and moving and roadmap redirection and we've learned all these new skills but at the same time like let's not set ourselves up for that again so let's sit down and think let's assume we have another 10 years in us where would we go kind of in what order what's a loose plan we could go here and do this we could go here and do this we could go here and do this and they have that so in a way they do have that whole new 10 year story out but i imagine that they have them kind of modular that they could move Mm -hmm. them around if Mm -hmm. they wanted to, that they could change direction if they wanted to. And that each story really is going to be one to two expansions tops three. If something weird happens, Mm -hmm. but like, I think they're, I think they're ready to try to do modular storytelling because this was, I mean, this is the first time they haven't had to think, Hey, what about this other story beat that we've got Mm -hmm. going? Yeah, there was so much that we couldn't do simply because, you know, what what would Elizabeth do if we mm-hmm. were doing that? So this is the first time they're free, and I think they want to celebrate that a bit. Probably yeah, it'll first. it'll be it'll be really oh, yeah. interesting to see what they did. I mean, we had this, you know, coming uh, you know from a, a Final Fantasy XI background, we had this this point where they it was after I'm trying to think, I think it was after Wings of the Goddess. Where they they did what they called add-on scenarios, where yeah, it was like it. it was like DLC mission packs essentially, and you do all of them, and you get like this this piece of gear that you can kind of like pick stats for and stuff, and uh, they were all right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just, I'm really curious to see, you know, if if we'll have like okay patch, you know, six point two. Here's this contained story. Um, you know, we, we've seen, you know, in the last expansion, right. They, they are experimenting more with putting the resources into making areas for just quest lines, right? So what happens if you want to make a a new field area for a new narrative and that just is, is the arc is a patch. Who knows? Right. I think we'll just have to kind of wait and see and 
maybe they'll end up, you know, maybe they're setting them up in a way that they can have some kind of chain that connects all of these things that are planned. And but yeah, I'm very excited to find out. They can they can finally put all their retroactive continued continuity skills to work. Mm-hmm. Like they'll just retcon it into one story by building them one on top of the other. Yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> did we do it? We did, but we still have Pandemonium. I like how Pandemonium fusion. I mean, this okay. Is, okay. Okay. Listen to me. This is the land of plentiful boyfriends, girlfriends, and all the <laughs> This is the land of beautiful people who I understand could not continue the way that it was, mm-hmm. but they gave me a little something at the end. So, I mean, there are a few things, right? We're just in the first part of this, but there are yeah. a few things that are mentioned here in Pandemonium that I feel like we would be remiss to touch on, to not touch on, especially with like the 24 man coming up and sure. what let's, that might let's, bring let's to just, the let's just, let's just, let's just get it all out of this. I mean, there's not a lot in Pandemonium. No, there's not, there's um, not that much. I mean, it, it won't take that long. There's a lot no. to go into, but it won't take that long. No, I mean, it, what, TL, TLDR, uh, La Habrea has a son with a weird name, but it's mostly <laughs> Eric. And he works Eric at this, Darius. he works at this weird prison thing that totally like wasn't designed by like mock architects or something. Totally doesn't have any like weird, uh, like Dunscythe or Voidarchy kind of <laughs> vibes like at all. Uh, and there's this weird like vampire dude. And that's Permission? pandemonium. That's it. There's some weird soap drama stuff, like uh, soap opera kind of stuff in yes. here. Um, where we've got, okay, let's just sort this out first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Who is the, what's the name, the actual name of the young character? That totally isn't Elidibus. He is definitely Elidibus, correct? <laughs> he is definitely Elidibus. Yeah. Definitely, definitely is. 98.8. Yeah, it's Themis or Themis, however you want to say it. Mysterious. Um, does that have hold on? Do you do you know right off the top of your head? I did it. If it one has point. any meaning. I did at one point. I don't remember right uh-huh. now. I mean I, I'm stuck what with is, Eric Thonius. Yeah, no, it, it, springing Themis, from, it, it's springing it's it's short yeah. for them is Elidibus. <laughs> what of the twelve Titan children of Gaia yeah. and Uranus? Uh oh, was a lady though. Personification mm-hmm. of justice, divine order, fairness, law, and custom. So yes, that would absolutely right. fall in line with a little bit. <laughs> right. It was it, the only thing that I remember is yeah, it makes sense for his role eventually. Yes. Yeah. Um, who then kind of leads us into this, and this is a place where they put all of the like super dangerous creations that presumably mm-hmm. for some reason they don't want to just unravel, which I was kind of surprised by, or just kill, <laughs> return to the life stream. We can still yeah. learn more from these. Why so they not? get put in this very weird gothic castle where this man who's very obsessed with Eric's dad lives. <laughs> Which, I mean, I get it. I get it, buddy. They are all beautiful. You all, Ancients are all beautiful. So I understand. Um, <laughs> but he, he oversees it, right? And he was supposedly close to Eric. Um, has a weird thing for Eric's dad, who is the current, the current La Habrea. Mm-hmm. But here's the next thing. There's been a lot of speculation. Do we all agree that we believe that Eric Thonius is the La Habrea we would come to know? It's it could be so very cool uh, if that's true. You know, I, I hadn't actually thought about it that way. It definitely could. And I would I, love to see that. 
I have been like I, I feel very not confident about a lot of this stuff in mm. pandemonium right now and it, I mean that makes sense it's, this was the introduction this was part one um I think seeing Eric as La Habrea is a real possibility especially because he was the first boss and he comes running out and he's got the La Habrea mask on his head on the helmet thing and if you look mm -hmm. close he's got a he's got a gem on his side and if you look at the gem it's got the la habrea glyph on it mm -hmm. um so that that could be foreshadowing or it could just be foreshadowing of that it's his kid and yeah. that they work together and that this is you know part of that whole thing um so i i i love that it's a conspiracy i had an, i a really that idea had not even popped into my mind because I just, my brain is like, oh yeah, La Habrea, the character, not the seat. And now I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, well shit, we're going to kill his dad and he's going to be super pissed at us and that's, yeah, okay, great, yeah. No, P P12, we're going to kill current La Habrea and then he I has mean, to dad, take the seat or something. His dad does sound like he's a huge jerk to him, to be fair, oh, yeah. number one. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I don't know, depending, he seems to have a complex relationship with him. And we also do know that they have considered, because... Uh, Eric Thonius at least says that he is overall, all things considered, very weak at ethereal manipulation, I believe. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a line about that. Um, he is still able, interestingly enough, though, to manifest his nudity form, yeah. which is the, <laughs> the form, you know, guardian force, we'll say. When, um, he's, the, <laughs> when, he's, when he's under the control of the whispers, at least. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which I thought that was kind of an interesting point in that I would have... At least from what we've heard, right? Um, I'm thinking back through. Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought it was said. I, I can't remember if Hithlodius says this to us about like the forms that Hermes ends up using. That if you are a particularly like powerful ethereal manipulator or sorcerer, that you are able to manifest that form. Or if that was just something I'm completely misremembering. I don't remember I don't that remember. part. I just I just remember them talking about that when they do take that form, it's like they're naked. That's the, yeah. that's the only part I yeah. remember about that. I, part. I remember I remember Hithlodius saying that he's actually very weak and couldn't do something. And I think it might have been transform. Like he couldn't transform even if he wanted to. Right. I, I'd have to go back and look at it again. Like most of the stuff I know about this game is because I've read it 700 times and I've only <laughs> read Endwalker like twice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm curious about that because it did seem like in the moment I was like, wait, hold on. Was that in line with what we know? Was that contradictory to what we know? Is it possible that he is far stronger in magic than he thinks that he is um, it, or ethereal manipulation? And it also could be because, you know, at the end, when we're talking about vampire guy, his transformation is not just a pure naked transformation. No. He is a hemitheos, which He's is naked a with whole somebody. new thing. Yes. He's naked with someone together. Um, Whoa. So, like, that could be Eric Thonius in a bare-bones Hemitheos forum? Who I don't know, right? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we have this presence, supposedly, that is kind of um, corrupting the will and or mm -hmm. rationality of the people that are uh, overseeing it, which is where we get this final boss, who I do think is the one thing that is important to note. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a long discussion, especially in the role-playing community, about vampires, in the realm of can't Final imagine Fantasy why 14. um you know a lot of people have had a lot of thoughts on this and now we do technically have at least a canonical form of semi-vampirism that is in the game which is interesting how did you yep. pronounce that hemitheos yeah hemitheos i, I believe. think i suspect part of that is is a lot like when omega could just create whatever it wanted that like part of it is every 
every eight man raid needs an excuse for there to be <laughs> like at least four really cool monsters that you have total art freedom to do. And I think, you know, we're coming into this. It's just like, hey, I want to just have a whole Castlevania episode where like Dracula is the boss. Like I want hot chocolate as the boss. And <laughs> so I think like that's <laughs> part of what we're doing. <laughs> OK, I'm calling yep. it right and now. Then, Next year, we're going to get Booberry. <laughs> God. And I think that's I mean, part of part of what's going on. That they thought sure. like they thought a Dracula would be like really really good here, and that this is part of the excuse to do it. So I'm I am very curious about what that transformation was, and if it was only brought out because he was under the influence of the whispers, or if he could do it again, and mm -hmm. if he if he is so at odds with his father the way he says, why is there so much La Habrea symbolism in that? Right. But then again, it was also. Like as as the whispers were talking to him, it was bringing out kind of his true desires, his rage, his grief to express his rage and grief. Yeah, and maybe that's how he did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Hemitheos, just that idea. Once again, we have no idea where they're going to go with it, but there's so much. Is that an early version of a Shiva? Because they're taking something, and is it related I, to primal? You know what I mean? Yeah. I like it as a new thing. Yeah, it, I, like um. I, chimera related that he right. was able to like mm -hmm. creation magics himself yeah. into the things that they had down there yeah like right. that they that he like reworked his own actual nature mm -hmm. right and like fused something else into it and then created yes this chimera like new creature. concept out of the two of them yeah but i mean we we also do i suppose kind of see that with the combination of Oh, what are their two uh, names? Oh, Logriff and... Um, are you talking about... Well, there is that one, but there's the other one that's at oh. the end of Aetherochemical, where... Igeorm and... Igeorm and... Is it Lahabrea? Essian Prime, yeah. Wait, yeah, is that La... Wait, 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 yeah. wait. Is that Lahabrea and Igeorm who do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm just saying yeah. that there seems to be a direct connection there. Now, that is likely, I don't know, maybe it's nothing. But maybe it's everything. I mean, La Habrea, Can't. yeah. Can't believe La Habrea was cheating on Athena. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Getting naked with Iggy Arm. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, interesting, interesting. I had not even thought about that connection until this moment, but we do see the two of them fuse together right yeah. and become this other entity and um, Brea is kind of the possession master as we know because he won't stop doing it says emmett like please stop <laughs> like you're making it worse for yourself dude but no he just that is what he wants to do interesting i, I mean this could be kind of how they're trying to set some of that up right that if mm -hmm. he witnessed these things or was subjected to these things or he saw how things went so wrong down here that maybe there is some precedent for how they wanted to combine that in some way, shape, or form with who he later becomes, assuming that this is the same person. I mean, mm -hmm. it could also, I guess, feasibly be his father who just stays La Habrea. Yeah. But again, it feels very, to me, right, if they're trying to fill in the blanks, particularly with the Asians and things like that, and they are creating these models for different characters to give us faces to the characters, original faces in their ancient forms that we haven't seen before. It would feel very strange to me to just be like, 
Oh, yeah. So here we've got all the great backstory for Emmett Selk and Hithlidaeus. And, you know, oh, we also have, isn't it so great for Elidibus? And then, oh, yeah, there was just this guy named Eric that existed once. And then, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it feels as though he has to be one that's of the, them. And- that's the best argument I've heard so far, <laughs> is that it's like, we've got all these very important figures. And then, hi, Eric. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Huh. What's that? Uh, that, that's like a little bit more weight on the scales for yeah. me. Yeah, it feels There's like a... they must. He must become La Habrea in my mind, yeah. but I don't know. His his experience is just so cursed from the kind of origins of his name, right? Even mm-hmm. his birth is cursed. His I name could... is Troubles from the Earth. Like it's not. He's not having a great time. Yeah. At all. I could see Pandemonium being the the origin story for for the La Habrea we know and Elidibus. Mm-hmm. And then they just kind yeah. of finish that up. And I think a lot of it's going to depend on like what the whispers are and what mm-hmm. the time period is. Like these are mm-hmm. my two, the only two questions I really think are, are, are important as I walk away from pandemonium. Um, we saw Eric, the whispers took hold of him and his greatest desire became the only thing he cared about to express his grief and his rage and his despair about his mom dying and being stuck with his dad and how his dad treats him. And then we go in and we find out hot chocula, uh, is also, um, caught up in the same thing. Like Vladdy daddy's dream was to be La Habrea's favorite mm-hmm. kid. He wanted to be La Habrea's son. So like, he wanted to be all of that. So like we saw that become a very twisted, oh. warped version of yep. that desire. Is that so, what he wanted? I definitely thought he wanted, you know. <laughs> maybe maybe it's like a little little old Gaius thing, like a little bit yeah. of thing. <laughs> I really hate, I really hate and love that you just said maybe it's a little bit of a Gaius thing, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just really want to point that out. That was terrible because they're still trying to walk it back yeah and it's funny it is it is funny how often they're like and livia who he he did not touch he didn't need arm's length no hover hand all the time i think yeah i think that's hilarious so i'm gonna be making fun of that forever but i think it's possible that like what's going on here is that la habrea himself is also caught up in the whispers Mm -hmm. that they're bringing out his secret desire that he for all of his stoicism and lack of care and just like he puts on that face of acceptance and moving forward and doing what must be done he's he's all about duty according to them but they've already sown the seeds of that la habrea is deeply sad about what happened to athena and that he cannot face it mm-hmm, and yeah. that he's able to put it aside and harden his heart for his duty so i think it's possible that the whispers have also got a hold of him mm-hmm. and that part of what's going on is him trying to get Athena back. Exactly. I I, I and, am totally imagining last year being like Athena, La Habrea, and then Source of Whispers. And that mm. could be both the origin story for the La Habrea we know, and it could be how that La Habrea dies and Eric becomes the La Habrea we know. Like yeah. It, could, it I mean, could be either. Yeah, I mean, remember the, the, the art we had for Pandemonium was... A La Habrea, like yeah. full on I, red mask and everything. Yeah, we don't know who, which one. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that could have been right there. It's like, hey, he's one of the big bads. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I guess this also does. Well, maybe I don't know. I feel like we pretty much have our cast for this, but I have always thought to myself, 
Um, I really wish that particularly uh, Our Lady Assians got a little bit more of a mm. feature. Um, yeah. I mean, we did. We got more with Gaia, obviously. Right, but bit. I'm curious if we might see Igeorm show up in this. Like, if she might be someone who works at the facility. Sure. or I mean, it's it, it feels like I, I don't really necessarily think that's really going to happen here. But it would, again, if they're trying to fill in all of the different Assians and give them a bit of context as to who they might have been before we encountered them in the story. I would love to see them actually include as many mm -hmm. as possible in a sense to try and give us something. I mean, mm -hmm. they have to tell a fully rounded story yeah. for them. And there are some who played a much more important role than others, but um, it would just kind of be nice. And we yeah. have the whole consideration with whatever is about to happen with the 24 man um, and, or possibly if, the ancients somehow were tied to the 12 or were mm -hmm. the 12 or created the 12 or we don't really know what's going on there. So yeah, I mean, that's yeah. also room for them to explore. Stuff. Uh, hell on ever heard the chat. Do we know what Sabiq was in the past? Will we fight it? Sabiq is the whispers wrapping it all up. Let everybody go. go home. Yes. <laughs> I, w I was so prepared for Sabiq to be part of Zodiac somehow and that they didn't mm. bring it in. This expansion is like really throwing me for a loop. Well, well, you know what happens is we we fight Sabiq and then we go to throw our Pokeball, but something happens and we only capture the heart, and then that mm. just gets lost and yeah. Yep. Oh. Can you imagine how gruesome that would be if there was a chance in Pokemon you didn't get the whole Pokemon in oh. the Pokeball? There are uh, yeah. what is it? Was it Sword and Shield where Hold they on. have the the new fossils where you can combine them? So it's just yeah. like one half is like one completely different Pokemon, and then like the second half, it's just, it's they're weird. But those are fossils, so you put them together no, you, like a jigsaw you, puzzle, and then you reanimate them. <laughs> If you have a living creature and you're a child, oh, well, you're like, I mean, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I've gone on my first adventure in the real world. And you, miss. And you throw your Pokeball and the Pokemon falls over. I'm 12 years old. I'm so glad my mom's Pokemon. letting me travel the world by myself. Maybe that was like the first version because nowadays, like, you throw it at them, it bounces off. They like turn into energy and get sucked in, like like Ghostbusters, you know. So maybe the first versions were actually mechanically closing, and that did not work well. Well, well, I mean, you no, 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 no. The first you haven't played Legends. <laughs> they actually oh, absolutely oh, not. No, no, they totally they explain yeah some of that yeah Pokemon can just naturally shrink. Ah, is that's that cool. Real yeah. thing that they try to explain? No, yeah, no, absolutely. And the the Pokeball is like the first Pokeball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go play Arceus. Here's here's my um, yeah. here's my it's, a, uh, it's actually okay. it's actually really okay. fun. Here's my if, fusion. If you moment, like, if you like, I've watched Bebop play. If you like Breath of the Wild, like, sorry, go ahead. Anyway, my fusion moment is Pokemon is dead to me since I don't even know Gen Five. Like, I don't care anymore, man. I used to love, but I don't care anymore. I, I honestly, don't you know, honestly, I think, I think, fusioning on I think, yeah. <laughs> I think Gen Five was the one I skipped to. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, I'm done. I don't. I don't anyway, know well, Pokemon anyway. more aside, this is the Monster Hunter Stories is the best Pokemon. We are not being paid. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Anyway. Uh, I feel like that pretty much hits the most important things from Pandemonium. Anything else that we need I to add? I think so, other than, like, I really so, want, I don't want La Habrea to be Hephaestus, but he's probably going to be Hephaestus, and I don't want that. But anyway. Mm. So, okay. so, Moose is, is, is hot Chocula. Yeah. I do love that. Uh, yeah. I, I've gone to take calling him Grampire. Mm. Hot <laughs> See, over on my channel, we were calling him the hot grandpire because he's hot like grandpire. Mm. Grandpa yeah. vampire, grandpire. Yeah. But I actually like hot chocula much. Hot better. chocula is pretty good. 
or Vladdy Daddy, which was also Vladdy really Moose tossed that one out mm-hmm. like there was it was no big deal, just like yeah, the, just the grenade earlier. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, Vladdy Daddy was what I called him during the um, Vladdy Daddy during the stream we did where I was doing it for like all the first runs. Mm. That's pretty good. I, mean, I just call him I Satan, think, so I say I think not there to is, Satan. I think there is actually one question that I have that's bothering the bejesus out of mm. me. About, okay, um, let's let's do this. I, let's figure it out. I feel. <laughs> stupid for not like i feel like i feel like it should be obvious to me i can't actually tell when the hell pandemonium is happening Mm. oh yeah like where where in the overall narrative of the game it's happening and it's it's weird because like okay so you have themis who is clearly elitibus and it looked mm-hmm. like Elidibus was watching us leave and talking. So it feels like it could be after Elpis. But at the same time, um, Themis is acting like both he and Azem are on an organization that is under one specific member of the convocation, which mm-hmm. means they wouldn't have been promoted yet. But like he could be lying about that. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the fact that he's just kind of like walking around and no one knows who he is. Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Emmett Selk said that everybody gossips incessantly about the 14, that he doesn't need to tell anyone that he's been elected to the 14 because everyone follows them like royal family gossip. There's nothing anybody doesn't know. And when we get there, the guy who like opens the teleporter He's like, oh, you're you're one of the people here who's working for that convocation board, right? He's not like, holy shit, it's the Elidibus. Mm-hmm. So like, I I can't figure out when the hell this is. I mean, especially because mm-hmm. he's wearing a white robe. Like, I have yeah. no idea yeah. when in the timeline this is, and it's bothering the shit. Okay, yeah. well, all right, all right. Yes, let's try and put it together. Because I think you're right. It sounds as though it would be pre- the events of Alpis that we were a part of. Mm-hmm. Because at least in the time that we were in Alpis, right, Vinat had ceded and had passed mm-hmm. the seat of Azem to Arazem. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And as far as it sounds, it does not seem like in this timeline that has happened yet. It seems almost like Elidibus and our Azem like know each other and are friends with each other is that correct on, yeah yeah they're on the same they're on, they claim he claims that they're both on an organization that is under like the organization is part of one specific member of the convocation mm-hmm. they have an organization so it would kind of make sense to me possibly but again this is not based off of anything specific but that if we know that our azem and the we assume Vinat, who would have held the seat, who seemed to have held it for a good while, mm-hmm. they were close and knew each other and have been friends for longer than, which is probably why they were their chosen successor. So it seems like there could possibly be a chance that the convocation member they are under is a Zem yeah, and that like, these two know Vinat. each other. Yes. Like, yeah. that would be my guess. And that the thing that's kind of tricky about this, though, is that we know that when he assumed the seat of Elidibus, Elidibus, as we know him, right, was not that old, all things considered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, what that means within an ancient's lifespan, I don't know. But yeah, I say. 
Yeah. There, I mean, even what we see when he kind of like in the transformation where he becomes himself in the white robe, right? Mm -hmm. He appears smaller, more diminutive. So my assumption would be that he must be made a Lydibus not too long after this. But again, how Agreed. like ancient yeah. bodies age, I don't know. We could say relatively that that would be within the next three to five years. Mm -hmm. But for ancients, it could be some, you know, I don't know exactly what we I've... think with that. Right. I've got three or four possibilities laid out and I can't figure it out for the life yeah. of me because I love I love that interpretation. And then there's also the idea like Azem allegedly warned Elidibus Temis that we were coming. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. weird to me. So yeah. like and then the thing that starts all of this is the blue crystal showing up in Heidelin's room. Yeah, that sends us back and keeps this paradox going. And it's just like, I'm sure there's going to be one or two lines in one of these that's just going to make it obvious when it is. But it's bizarre yeah. to me that I, I can't yeah. figure it out. Maybe yeah, maybe that's going to be part of the story, right? You're, they're going to have this like this oh shit moment yeah. or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be that would feel great if I just picked up on one of the questions that I was supposed to be asking yeah. way before I was supposed to be asking for it. I'd feel there great about go. myself. There you go. I mean, but right now, do... I feel horrible about myself. <laughs> right. Well, we do know that at least in a recent interview, right? One of the interviews with Yoshida-san specifically asked, like, what was Azem do? Our Azem, mm -hmm. Azem as we know them. What were they doing, um, particularly in the timeline of the final? days mm -hmm. and you know Yoshida-san said at that point like oh that is something that we know but we don't know if we're going to share it or how we're going to do it or things like that so it does seem like they have some kind of timeline structure mm -hmm. format I mean we even get these little mentions is there a possibility that at some point in this narrative we start communicating with RSM of past self I don't know mm -hmm. like because there are these weird little nods where it seems like even I mean here if we assume this is before right before after we take the seat that somehow our azem seems to kind of know in a strange way um but you would also assume that like with that mention of him knowing we would be there or something like that right that it would probably be vinat azem that would have experienced elpis mm -hmm. that would be aware of us so it does feel like there is this gap like there is a gap there yeah. that i think is a very valid question to ask moose I mean, it, it's just so weird. It, it's to me, it, it really is related to the, the time travel in really weird ways. One of the questions that I had was, is there time in the live stream? When Emmett suck returned mm. and he got his memories unlocked when from that point on, like what, when does, how does that work? Right. Cause we, how did Azim know that we were coming? Right? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I really hope That's that weird. it has nothing to do with that. But it could. If they wanted to be weird. I don't know. It's all very weird. Yeah. So Time yeah, travel. Sense. Nothing makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes sense that he's lying, but it doesn't. But it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. It's. I can't figure it out yet. Yeah. Or it's a weird frame story in which that cutscene took place during the time that we were in Elpis, but this is taking place beforehand and he knows somehow through the actions. Yeah, That's immediately what I thought dude, about. Two of us in Elpis at once, like a younger yeah. us and an older us. Oh, yeah, see, like that's why <laughs> we because finally going... get to the point where I'm okay with the time travel again because yeah. they made it a bootstrap paradox inside of a split inside of. And a then we literally paradox. meet ourselves. And now we're doing multi bootstrap paradox. Like, oh, I, I think I think during one of these tiers, there needs to be a cutscene where we're just like up in Elpis again. 
and there's some commotion like what's going on freaking asm familiars man just all over the place and then you just see like yourself fly by on a mount (laughs) wait a second It would be good. It would be good. Uh, I'm still saying that they could probably get away with doing an entire expansion. Again, I don't know how they would handle mm-hmm. this, but like an expansion that was all Azem in the ancient world. And like when you went in, either they could hand wave it and like, oh yeah, you'll look like yourself, but everybody sees you as though mm-hmm. you were an ancient. Or if they really wanted to get buck wild, they could do something while like where you were in that zone, you get loaded into some kind of like limited character creator when you first went in and you could like, make like a... You know, you're a them or something. I mean, that would be completely unprecedented, Mm. but I do think there would be a market. I am the market. I would do it. I would love that. Spoilers, I am the market. (laughs) I mean, many of us are probably the market, but I mean, it it is interesting because I think otherwise they're always going to have to dance around a them just being alluded to in the vaguest of ways. Mm -hmm. So, because otherwise... I mean, you can, but you can't commit because they are, they are really conscientious about not overriding what players, in a sense, feel for their character for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. So it is something that I yeah. think they've really tried to be careful of, which is why we didn't see Azem in even I, any of these flashbacks. I think with because of that, I would be very surprised if they ever showed us Azem. I have already decided that if we're doing a time travel expansion for fan service, that's going to make me angry. It has to be going back to mock and the war of the Magi and mm-hmm. hot, hot, hot goth chick Emmett Selk on the, on the, on the, <laughs> on, the on the coven. And like that, I, I can't, I don't have room for another fan service time travel expansion in my head. Yep. Right I now. mean, that's that pretty, good. that's pretty good though. It's <laughs> a solid one. <laughs> hot goth chick Emmett Selk. <laughs> Yeah. You're coming up with so many good ones today, Moose. Not no, only I did just... not only did Emmett Selk start up the Garlean Empire, he also started the first chain of Hot Topic stores. Mock Topic, yeah. Mock Topic. Mock Topic. <laughs> oh you go to the That's mall. Perfect. There's a Mock Topic. There's a Starbucks. Oh man. Well, I, I I was so sure of it until I saw Pandemonium. Oh, look at me bringing it back to the topic. Um, <laughs> there was a topic? Because, <laughs> yeah, uh, because like, what if then that's the connection? Like, La Habrea was one of the ones behind Mach, which is weird, because like, then where would Emmett Selk be? And then I have to give up my dream of hot coven Femmet Selk. And Never give up on that dream, Moose. Never give gonna... up on Still that. Still doing it, but on a different shard. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Wow. It's been a good time today. Wow. It's been a great uh-huh. time, Thing, well Things done. have been said. Uh-huh. Wow. Started with toilet talk and it ended with <laughs> mock, mock topic. topic. I feel mm-hmm. good with it. I feel good with this. This was a good one. <laughs> Man, look, if, I'm, if, if, if we have like the Aorzean Cafe in Japan, can we just get like a straight up like, like a Theris mall? <laughs> That'd be great. This is this is gonna be my brain now trying to think up of like pun oh, no. names for like. It's gonna be good, but I hate it. Right. It's gonna be great, but I hate it because now my brain's gonna do the same thing. We'll have like Garland Shack. Yeah. I actually made a logo for Mock Topic a long time ago, which is how that <laughs> like came to mind so easily, and s- someone hit me with Uldon Outfitters right after. Oh, oh yeah. So, 
Yeah, we have we've Perfect. definitely got some options. <sighs> Man. All right. Well, this is this will be a whole another five yeah. hours if we try and go down this road. So let's go ahead. Uh, we'll wrap this up here. Um, I think uh, somebody did ask earlier. I, did, I didn't pull it out at the time. Uh, roll quests. Uh, yeah. We do know that we are going to be getting something new for if you have done all of them with the next patch. So we'll probably hold off on lore casts and then we'll just kind of do them all at once there. Um, like we're going to take a breather from lore casters. Mm -hmm. just, just a little bit. Just a little yeah, bit. I want to, I want to screech about the cast request, but I'm going to wait in a good yeah, way. We'll, I liked we'll, it a we'll, lot. So. We'll, we'll get there. Um, yeah. Next week. Yeah. First edition. Oh, how uh, are we'll, you? That's we'll a thing. Sort it. Maybe. We'll, Maybe. we'll talk about this. Well, I'll have to, I won't. I won't be here next week. Well, okay. all right, fine. Oh, that's, that's. I was going to message you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Great. I'm like I could. Oh yeah. And well. the pouring well, fish. There is a there is a chance I will be here next week, but <laughs> I was another reply. Oh, okay. And the pouring oh, fish is my perfect. God. Perfect. Um. We do know uh, coming up uh, live letter April 1st, which means mm -hmm. April 2nd, we will be talking about that. Um, so yeah, uh, stay tuned. We'll, we'll tweet uh, what, uh, what's going to happen next week. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm sure we'll find something to talk about mm -hmm. for forever. 23 <laughs> shops there. <sighs> All right. <laughs> That's really good. If you want, you can find me on the internet, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube as Rafflederg. Moose, where can they find you at? I don't know anymore. <laughs> uh, Twitter.com is AnaniMooseXIV. Uh, Twitch is Onwill, A-N-W-Y-L-L. And I mean, a lot of the time I'm just answering Discord DMs, really. That's really what it comes down to. So you can join Gamer Escapes Room any, any, anywhere with the lore room, really. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll answer eventually. Uh, I'll do now. Uh, here and only here. Also Twitter. Working on the only flans right now. Oh, my uh, we'll God. We'll figure it out. This Okay, hold on. This is next week's episode. We are going to just come up with the... <laughs> <laughs> the freaking Etheris Mall. We're just gonna, we're gonna. I'll set. We'll oh do submissions. God. We'll we'll set something up here early in the week. And I think I think that's, I think that's <laughs> it. I think that's what it's gonna end up being because this this is a thing now, and, oh, and we have to see it through. Well, yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Yeah, Twitter. You can find me there. <laughs> right. You can find me pretty much everywhere, Rookery, R-O-O-K-U-R-I. On Twitter, there is an underscore, under, I almost said under dash. There's a line. <laughs> there's a is line. Is that, that's the like underdog? Underdash. Under <laughs> <laughs> rookery underscore. Um, everywhere else, Rookery, R-O-O-K-U-R-I. Twitch, YouTube, yes, more of the Endwalker playthrough will be going up um, all, over the, all over the place. You can find me, Rookery. All right, and if you want to contact the show, you can email us radio at gamerscape.com. You can tweet at us at radio. You can also find us as Gamerscape on a Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Discord, discord.gg slash Gamerscape. We've got our lore channel. We've got our Aetherite Radio channel. We've got our 14 channel. Come and uh, talk about stuff with us. Um, 
next week I'm I'm really feeling this that they're a small like thing i don't know we'll 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 see we'll see um but yeah so uh keep an eye out uh on socials and stuff we'll we'll let you guys know what we plan on doing uh and that is going to do it for us for this week thank you everybody moose thank you again for joining us oh we did it we finished it (laughs) it. edgewalker done Uh, great job everyone it's been 72 years (laughs) that does mean that you have now covered the entirety of the 10-year story on this podcast. I just wanted to say that because I thought it was a special cool, milestone. Cool, because you're like, how can I make Fusion feel even older than yes. he is? Well, Thank no, you. I, just, I, I was just trying to mine some tears, honestly, but that's fine. I mean, I that's so incredible. Old. <laughs> you're not old. I'm older you than you. a rich history. You have a rich history with this yeah. game. You've been covering this game for ages. Thank mm-hmm. you for doing it. And I'm glad I- we all get to be a part of it. Wow, I shouldn't have said that out loud. I'm the old, oldest person on this podcast. Wow. Yeah, anyway. Aldino is super That old. reverse yeah. Uno, man. Young and fresh. <laughs> Psychic damage to myself. <laughs> no. You're uh, not old either. Everybody here is beautiful. You're wonderful and young. You'll stay young forever. Much mm-hmm. like the ancients. We will never die. Forever 23. Forever 23. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> all right, if we'll see you all. <laughs> next time everybody thanks for hanging out we'll see you later